All right, sorry for the delay. Uh, we'll explain it one day when you're older. It is Glenn Clark Radio, Monday edition of the program. Today's show is brought to you by your local Toyota dealer, buyatoyota.com. It was a big weekend in high school hoops, including the MIAA championships. Saw my guy Bino Ranson's son, BJ Ranson. He didn't have a huge game in the championship specifically, but he had a big, big week in general throughout the course of the MIAA tournament, helping Mount St. Joe win the A Conference. And all of the latest high school sports news, stats, schedules, standings, all of it, can be found at countysportszone.com, which is presented by Toyota. Appreciate them making that happen. Apologies if you usually are with us on YouTube. We got something going on. We're not sure what it is. We'll get it figured out today, but we are live on uh, Facebook, so you can watch the show there. Coming up a little bit later on this hour, we will be joined by Orioles pitcher Cole Irvin. Later on in the program, talk a little lacrosse. Towson's off to a 3-1 and start. Ray Glass, senior shortstick D-Mitty, team captain for the Tigers. They'll join us. And then Towson travels to Loyola tomorrow night. I say travels like it's not five minutes down the road, but, you know, it's still a road game. That's the way it is. Treacherous trip. Yeah, yeah really difficult. And then uh, Jeremy Connell will join us as he does every Monday. All of that coming up on the program today was – I, like pleasant. I looked at the um, the Orioles game for a couple of minutes on Saturday. I did remember afterwards. I know we were like talking about, hey, what are you gonna be looking for? Then I remembered how much I. This is just not for me. Like it, I, I just, I'm excited about the Orioles, and I still can't pretend. Like I'm interested in watching spring training baseball. I can't. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. It's not for me. It never will be. As I said before, exhibition sports. They just don't do it for me. I don't like all-star games. I don't like pre I don't like any of it. I don't like international friendlies. None of it. It just, it will never be for me. It's nice to have it as an option. And again, for like a second, I tuned it. Honestly, it happened to be that as the Loyola game was ending on Saturday, I was getting in my car and I put on uh, Jeff Arnold and Ben McDonald. And I happened to hear the moment when, um, uh, Colton Cowser hit the home run, and I was like, "That's ah, neat." Like, I, you know, it doesn't mean anything at all. Like, you can't, like, it is utterly irrelevant. But like, it's neat. First game, everybody's tuned in for. Everybody's watching. Everybody's excited. It's still the winter, so we're not going out yet on Saturdays in March. So most people in town probably enjoying their time with the Orioles on Saturday. If you're going to be doing that, could think of worse things to occur. Can't again. Can't pretend like it means anything whatsoever. But God bless, God bless. And you know, Corbin Burns looked good. Again, also doesn't mean anything, but sure beats the alternative. Not having Corbin Burns, fun, fun to have Orioles baseball. But Jim Palmer killing the birds about the fact that he's got to call the game from Baltimore, which it's so much more nonsensical when it comes to Jim Palmer because. Jim doesn't live here full time. It it's not like Jim doesn't have to travel in. Jim lives on the West Coast. It's why he does the West Coast games 
during the course of the season. They had to have him travel to Baltimore to call a game in Florida. It's as nonsensical as it gets. It's it's borderline bat-ass. So I don't blame Jim at all for uh, going off on the Orioles for the insanity of their travel schedule. I don't blame that or their broadcast plans. I don't blame that him for that at all. It's insanely stupid. But hopefully on the new regime, it will be something that will get fixed. And the, look, I, I know that it is not easy. Everybody was complaining about the uh, the wind and the television cameras in Sarasota on Saturday. It, it is a real investment to broadcast a baseball game. And the Orioles would tell you, beyond our just thoughts that they're cheap, they would tell you it is not worth the investment to do it right. There is not a big enough audience. There is not enough interest. There's no bang for the buck on replays, highlights, things along those lines. They would say, you can just say we're cheap. We would tell you, sit down, look at it. And it's not, I know it's easy to target John Angelos because it's just easy for somebody to be a punching bag, but it's not just John Angelos. I've had other people who have said, I'm telling you, it's a loser monetarily. To which I think the rest of us would say, one, there's the chance of it being a lost leader. On Saturday, even if doing a real broadcast caused you to lose money, the idea would be, that with nothing else going on, there's the opportunity for someone to say, I'm going to sit down and watch the Orioles today and try to build interest or say, wow, Corbin Burns, I want to make sure I'm there when Corbin Burns pitches. The idea is that it can become a loss leader. If nothing else, the answer would be, well, you make enough money during the course of the regular season that it doesn't seem like it's asking too much to maybe accept a bit of a loss to give a product to the fan base. It's a conversation that's over my head, clearly. Believe it or not, they don't include me in this or any other decision that they make. But I would tend to line up with the fans on this one. I would have a more thoughtful conversation than just put the game. I mean, have a full conversation. I accept that there probably isn't anything to be gained. As we talked about before, the games are on in the afternoon, even though it's not what it was, say, in the 1990s when it comes to people going to the office. You're still not going to get robust audiences, fake baseball games played at bad television times, you're not likely to do a lot in terms of selling that product to advertisers. But you're going to make plenty of money during the regular season. And to say as an olive branch to your fan base, hey, we'll accept some economic losses in order to try to appease and keep the fan base involved and engaged seems like a small thing to do. With all due respect to the reporters that work for Masson that are spending their month in Florida, I think 
every single one of the fans of the baseball team would say, well, hey, if you got to save money somewhere, we'd rather have the games than more reporters. And I'm not trying to say there shouldn't be reporters there. The games. People like it. Not me. Not me. I'll, I'll give you a couple of seconds, and that's as much as I'll give you. And then I will move on. I don't even like, you know, like, yes, I couldn't even bring myself to care about watching the Maryland basketball game yesterday. And it's not an exhibition sport. It just feels like it at this point because the season's going to come down to whether or not they win the Big Ten tournament. And, you know, spoiler alert, they're not going to do that. Missed a good game. It wasn't a really good game, no. They missed a solid performance. I missed a solid performance. Yeah, exactly. But it wasn't a good game. Rutgers didn't hit 50 points. It was Uh, definitely not a good game. they held them. I understand. Well, kind of. I watched a little bit of it, and I just said to myself, I could be doing anything else with my time. Now, if Maryland was good, I definitely would be spending my time with Maryland. That's the way it would go, but it's the nature of the beast. Um, if you enjoyed the baseball, God bless. It's not going to be on TV again for another week, so got what you got. Hopefully, you've subscribed to MLB.TV because some of the games will be available that way, but not on video, just on audio. So is what it is. Now, they did a bit a couple years ago where they made like Steve Molesky, any game that wasn't on TV, they did like an internet broadcast for her. And they just said... It's a good bit. I, I, I don't... like <laughs> As somebody who's done these things, it it can't possibly cost you that much. Just be like, hey, Steve, talk about the... Like, <laughs> just... I, he's there. Just send him over. He'll just be reading his live I'm, tweets, essentially. I'm, I'm telling just, you, man. That's all. I've done these types of broadcasts before. Like the thing where somebody hires me to do a broadcast, and I realize like they have no plans for how to do a broadcast. And I'm like, all right, I'll help you out a little bit on this one. You don't need much in order to be able to do it. Presumably all of these teams have robust internet situations. It's bizarre. It's a very bizarre world. All right, whatever. I don't know why I'm wasting time on that. Um, the story of the weekend in sports, the topic du jour today is court storming mm. because of the Wake Forest Duke game. By the way, a hero that Wake Forest kid. Yeah, yeah you think? Um, I there's there's like four people in my life that I think are from here and are otherwise Orioles fans, Ravens fans that are also Duke basketball fans because reasons. Like I, I want to make fun of them and say it's because they don't, they can't handle being a sports fan, so they have to root for somebody who wins. But they're also Orioles fans, <laughs> so like I don't know, I don't know what to make of it. There's, there's no. I've said this a million times before. I, I, rooting for something you have no attachment to, I'll never understand in my life. It'll never, and it's not just because it's Duke. I'm saying if you told me today you were a Wichita State fan, and I was like, oh, well, are you from Wichita? N- no. Did you go to college there? No. Your Family? parents yeah, from like- Wichita? Nope. I would feel the exact same way about it. It's, I don't know what the point is of doing Remember when I like say, hey, the point of being a sports fan is that we can enjoy ourselves when like the Ravens win a game against the Dolphins late in the season, and we don't panic about it and we just allow ourselves to have fun and celebrate being the number one seed and not worry about the fact that maybe they'll go crashing out of the playoffs early. We don't worry about those things in the moment. We just allow ourselves to celebrate. The point of being a sports fan, to me, 
is to have an attachment to something. And your attachment being, well, I liked Christian Leitner, is wanking motion. Like, that's not that's not real. And you're a liar. You don't like Christian Leitner. Well, you might have. In, I don't know. In 1992, you might have. I like Shaq. There also was no option for me to root for a local team. No local team existed. But I didn't pretend like I was some dyed-in-the-wool Orlando Magic fan. I've appreciated Jeremy Kahn saying, yeah, look, admittedly, I love Peyton Manning, but, like, it's over. I don't root for the Colts anymore. I root for the Ravens. It's weird. It's still, I don't get it. I'll never understand it, and I love Jeremy, but I'll never understand that. To me, the nature of sports is we do it, it's communal. We do it together. Otherwise, my gut tells me that more often than not, you're just a contrarian a-hole. I enjoy, because I'm a red-blooded American, and there's so few things. There's almost nothing in this country that we can get behind together. We, don't, we, like, we, we will fight. We're now fighting about the dumbest rule in the history of football. I can't even get people to agree that bad things are bad. There are always a-holes who are like, no, it's good that a team loses the ball when they fumble through the end zone because military. I'm like, what the heck? I can't even get people to agree that awful things are awful but one of the very few things that we can agree upon as americans is that it's fun when duke loses and it's not because we're jealous because believe it or not kansas is also really good at basketball better in fact north carolina of late has been better than duke at basketball as was on display quite a bit during Mike Krzyzewski's final season. And look, man, I don't like North Carolina, but I enjoyed the F out of that. We don't hate them. It's the entitlement S. It's the, you truly feel as though you're better than everyone else because of your association, which in many cases doesn't even actually exist, with Duke basketball. Like, it, there's something about that group of people. And some of it came from the smarm of their former head coach, who believed he was the king of basketball. Some of it comes from, frankly, the fact that a lot of Duke alumni are quite successful. It's not a school that you get into as a backup school, it's not a, you know, a, a place, it's not a state school. Duke alums tend to be very successful and have a little bit more money and entitlement flows. There is an awful lot of entitlement. And so when they lose, it's not the same as when Kansas or Kentucky or North Carolina or other really good basketball programs that win constantly lose. There's something specifically about Duke losing that just brings our country joy. You don't have to be a, a, a fan of a former ACC program. It has nothing to do with Maryland basketball. It has nothing to do with Syracuse. It's People in Idaho can enjoy watching Duke lose. New Hampshire. It's something that we can all, for two minutes, forget about the fact that that our country is probably going to come to a crippling end, that we have no longer can have concern about like democracy or the rule of law or anything along those lines for, for just a minute, we can say, Duke lost. Today's a good day.
And then when you do that, the handful of people that have no association whatsoever with Duke but tell, claim themselves to be Duke basketball fans are, you're just jealous! You're just jealous! Maryland, Maryland, Maryland! Like, what is your deal, man? <laughs> we just we just like coming together as a people. We don't get to do it enough. So I think that's the solution. Ban court storming unless... It involves Duke. Unless, unless Duke. Involves unless Duke. you knock off Duke. So yes, if you didn't see it on Saturday, Wake Forest beats Duke. Then boy, did they try to lose at the end. I did watch some of that game. My God, they're up by like four with 30, and they have the ball with 30 seconds left. And instead of, you know, just dribbling it out to get fouled, they insanely throw up a lob for a dunk, and the pass gets away that goes right back, and maybe it was a five-point game at this point, goes right back the other way, and Filipowski knocks down a three, and all of a sudden it's a two-point game with 35 seconds left. And you're just like, oh, they go F this up. My joy is going to be stripped away from me. God. Um, by the way, Brian Powell is one of those people that like has no. I maybe he has. Maybe he told me he had some loose association, but it's not not enough that I think I can justify it. Like it's 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 meaningless. And and for what it's worth, it's one of those things. Like when you when a team wins something, and you have a friend in your life that's a fan of that team, even if you don't like the team, you feel good for them, right? Like. I don't feel that way about people who just decide to associate with teams that they have no actual association with. If you want to feel good, all good. But I don't feel good for you because it ain't real. Like, it's just a thing. It'd be like, you know, Pearl Jam putting out a good album and you trying to say, like, well, I I want, I did something. Like, no, man. Like, being a fan is a real thing. Like, but because there's an association, because it means something. Not because you just decided one day this is the thing that I like. Like God bless you, go go right ahead. But it doesn't mean the same thing. So Kyle Filipowski. By the way, do we know if he actually got really hurt or not? Um, I mean, outside of I, I guess nothing's coming out. Like everybody was panicked after the game. Everybody was panicked after the game, like like he had been shot. <laughs> and I'm pretty sure we haven't heard anything afterwards. It makes me think that like it might not be that bad. Like, it just might be. We saw this, with, unfortunately, with Caitlin Clark a couple weeks ago, right? Like, they lost to, was it Ohio State that they yes, lost to? Yes, yes. Yeah, by the way, State. is better than Iowa. And they stormed the court, and she got hurt, but she was fine. Like, At the time, I think they were ranked lower. Than, I know, but yeah. like now we know Ohio yeah. State is better. It's a better team. Um, I say all this to say, Hopefully, Filipowski isn't. And I'd say this to somebody who loathes Duke. I hope he's fine. I hope he's able to play the next game, whenever that is. And I hope they lose by 1,000 points. And I hope they never win again. It's not okay. And I know there's been like this some weird internet trutherism about whether or not Kyle Filipowski stuck out his arms to try to hit kids on the way. I, my God. I'm not going to get caught in the middle of this. The conversation is about court storming, and like it or not, even though it involves Duke this time, it's a fair conversation. We, we want to just point and laugh at Duke, but this is a reasonable conversation, and it's one that's been needed to be had for some time, because there's an awful lot of people loading into one space 
separate the other elements that are involved. That there's like some of these people are drunk. Probably a number of them are. Some of these people are at an age where they just don't they're not associated with reality the way that they need to be. They're detached from reality. They believe that in these moments rule and law and common sense all get thrown out the window. It's Ali Ali Oxen free. Wild Wild West. Because you're 18, 19, 20, 20 years, you know, 20 years, most of them are 18. Most of them are freshmen. Like normally the people that go to, you know, the students that go to sporting events are typically underclassmen. But they're, they're of an age where while they're legally adults, their brains aren't still fully formed. We all know because we've all been that age. Somebody would say, I'm 40 and I'm still not at that place yet. And I would say, you're probably right. There are other elements that go beyond it, but just simply the crush of human beings is a bad idea. Does anybody remember when Travis Scott played a concert in Houston a couple years ago? A crush of people is a terrible idea. Always has been, always will be. I think we've all been to concerts where they had that like festival seating concept or like, you know, hey, just floors open, good luck. And we had a couple moments where we were like, yeah, I don't feel so great right now. And thankfully for us, it never turned tragic, but we all know the feeling. I went to a lot of HF festivals. It's a bad idea. Some places have tried to do a better job of figuring out appropriate ways to allow for court storming to happen. That's the tough part about this is because it's existed for so long, there are some people that said, we don't want to just throw the baby out with the bathwater. It is a tradition of some sort. Justifiable or not, it's existed. You don't want to take it away from the next group of kids that watch their older siblings, their friends, get the opportunity to do it at their favorite schools. It's tough. Some some places are configured that like students are confined to a certain area and the students are the ones that are going to run on the floor. So like it actually works out. The way the teams leave the floor is from the opposite side of where the students would come onto the floor. You avoid some of it. At some places, they will literally put up barriers. Whether that barrier is a human barrier of sending security to certain parts of the floor to physically block students from getting by, or whether that's a velvet rope, if you will. Now, it's very easy for kids to go underneath, but at least it provides some impediment to perhaps allow the folks that don't want to be a part of it an extra couple of seconds to get off the floor. I am not opposed to the idea of trying to say, if we're going to continue to allow this, there has to be an amount of organization to it. Throw up like 30 seconds on the on the clock, you know, right after the game ends, uh, the, the, somehow to delay it just a little bit. And, and, and I feel like it, it, even 30 seconds would be enough for kids to say, well, it's not the same. Like, they want that moment, right? Like. Yeah. I, well, I'm, well, I'm, well, well. If they put it like on the shot clock, so another buzzer goes off, right? Like it like, almost does feel. Oh, like, you create a secondary. Yeah, almost like 
And if it's 30 seconds... Plenty of time for Duke to get off, or whoever loses yes. to get off the floor. You can you can still shake hands quickly as well, like if you wanted to. And I would say in those situations, you yeah. don't do you don't do handshakes. You just thirty seconds. Let's go. Um, maybe, maybe I'll listen to that. I'll I'll listen to that as a potential argument. The idea of you have to map it out and you have to figure out exactly where you're funneling to, and so it's got to come from... If you want to come on the floor, you have to be over on this side. Otherwise, we are going to put up actual barriers everywhere else. Like All of these things are things that I would listen to in hopes of continuing the tradition, but I would tell you it's not an important enough tradition for us to put up this much of a stink about it. It's dumb. It's just something we're used to. Look, man, I get it. I did it. Right, like, I did it because somebody before me did it. You're just used to it, so you just think that's the way to do it. I think there are plenty of other ways that you go about figuring out, like, set up a an area outside of the building that's like a designated party area. I know that wouldn't work at every campus because some, you know, like some of these schools have like actual inner city arenas. And I don't know where that space would be. I, I don't know what to do other than to say it wouldn't be the end of the world if court storming went away. It's a little bit different in football just because the fields are so large that I, I would still tell you it doesn't need to happen. It can go away. Life will go on. We don't need this. But it's just a bit different because there's more space. It's harder to have the full crush in one area because the field is so freaking big. It's just not the same in basketball. I, I, it's not a holier-than-thou thing for me. It's not a, it needs to be done away with right now. It's more like a, I think everybody needs to sit down and talk about it throughout the course of a sport and figure out if it's really worth it. And trying to come up with solutions, I would say, yeah, I'm in favor of it. I don't mind the 30-second thing. Like the, There has to be real penalties. Like, what's the penalty? Yeah, well, because right now, what, they're still, they're, like, fining schools, and it's, like, what, $5,000? And then the schools are accepting the fines, and why would a kid care about whether or not his school gets fined or her school gets fined? Like, I'm talking about real penalties, like... If you institute or that, up the fines, right? Well, or, no, not for the school. I'm saying if you institute that 30 second policy, and, and a student student kid starts coming on before that 30 seconds, they're arrested. They go to jail. They get charged with trespassing. Like it needs to be. This isn't just some silly thing. It's you've got to understand. This is the way it's going to be. I, I don't know what they do, you know, to somebody who would run onto the floor in the middle of a game. But we all seem to know not to run on the floor during the middle of the game, right? Like I, I, I know we see streakers sometimes in other sports. We don't really see it in basketball for whatever reason. Well, yeah. Maybe because it's indoors. I'm not really sure what the reason is that we never see streakers in basketball. But there's got to be an understanding. Whatever you would do to someone who would run onto the floor and if you would charge them with trespassing, like it's the same thing for someone who, if you institute a rule that says we got a 30-second clock at the end of a game – and it's 30 seconds until you can run on the floor. If somebody decides not to wait, there's no leniency there. And if a thousand of them do, there's no leniency for any of the thousand. 
It's got to be enforced in order to make it work. I'm, I'm in favor of attempting to come up with something that allows for court storming to stay in. I don't think it's necessary. I think, I think it'll be okay if the answer ends up being it just ain't worth it. I, I hope that we don't see something truly awful that leads to it being forced out of the game. And I think taking steps to address it before that, it, and it needs to be, it, it, it requires it going beyond just one school. There are some places where they're very good. They say, we're not doing this here. I know there were some guys from um, Barstool a couple years ago that did a bit where they went around and like tried to, to pick where they thought an upset might be in college basketball, and they would dress in um, storm gear, and they would be like, I, we're here to try to storm. Like That was the bit. And I remember it was a story because they tried to go to a game somewhere, and like the moment they showed up, the school said, you're out of here. And they're like, what? Like, we're not going to have it. We're not, do, we don't do that here. There are some places where they just said, we're not, we're not taking those risks. You're not going to storm the court here. It ain't going to happen. And they, they do. They have security around the perimeter and they set up a good physical barrier and they have real penalties. I, I think it needs to be across the board. And somebody would say, well, hey, this isn't a problem at Drexel. Although, are we sure that, like, if Ta- I know it was a bad day for Towson on Saturday, yeah, but I don't know. I mean, they had a huge crowd. Like, it was a big game. I don't think that they would have stormed the floor so afterwards. It's not like Charleston was ranked or anything like that. Was when they clinched the regular season. Uh, oh yeah, the CAA like, title, yeah, right? Yeah. Like that was my senior year, and they and that wasn't did. like a full court storm. Yeah, that was, it was like kind of like yeah, everyone in the yeah, student a section, handful of kids and ended up like down. running. And that was neat, and it was yes. fun, and it was you know, they, I don't think there was anything particularly dangerous about. Those circumstances. Um, it needs to be across the board, though. And this is one of the problems with college athletics seemingly having no governance. Right? The NCAA tried to put in rules that said, well, we can't do pay for play. And the courts were like, yeah, you can't. Nope, sorry. You can't enforce that rule. The NCAA almost has no governance over the, the, the sports. It has to be an agreement between all of the conferences to say this is what the rule is going to be. This is going to be the policy so that everyone everywhere knows exactly what we're doing in these circumstances. I'm giving you credit because I don't know if it was your idea originally, the 30-second thing, or if um, you heard it somewhere else before. I think I came up with it, yeah. I don't I, know. I, I, was I don't, thinking about it, I was like, well, this seems... I don't dislike it. Somewhat I, I, I think it's I think it's e- more easily enforceable than the places they try to funnel all the kids to one area and I, like I I like I like the thought process and to the point like you can have some song that you play for thirty seconds and have the players kind of do one of these numbers on the floor and then open the floodgates thirty I, I'm I, I don't hate that I don't I I would say in general that it's it's a bigger problem like i'll i'll bring something up i used to go when i was covering maryland basketball i used to go on the road to duke it's a it is not a facility that is viable for the caliber of event that it hosts and because again entitlement because whatever nobody wants to deal with it but like in an attempt to to work 
I was put in a place where I literally had humans like grabbing my neck because they stuffed so many of them into such a small space and literally right on top of the working area that the entire time I was there, I was being pushed against, I was being, and the answer was just, well, that, do you want to be here or not? Like that's, it's again, part of it is the entitlement of that place uniquely. Some of it is, well, we just don't, safety is not our concern. Nothing awful has happened, so no big deal. The Virgo in me, I'm definitely the person that's thinking about that type of stuff ahead of time. What could happen? What could go wrong? I Impending doom is something I consider constantly. I fear that if Filipowski's not really hurt significantly. There was an update like 10 minutes ago, apparently, yeah. and uh, or, Sh- or Shire spoke, uh, said something to the media. Apparently, it's just sore. He's not sure if he's going to practice today. It's not like they, they didn't do any imaging on the knee or anything. So, so it looks like he's fine. Yes. And that probably allows this conversation. Something else will become the topic du jour in the course of the next 24 hours. Frankly, the fact that any college basketball topic has been the topic du jour is a miracle and a reminder of just how little we have. February sucks. There's nothing going on. People should care but more about somebody's gonna Something's going to happen at the Combine this week, and that'll become the new topic du jour, and we'll move on, and perhaps nothing will be done. And we'll still be in a situation where it's a ticking time bomb, and we're just waiting for something really awful to happen. But there's an opportunity for, and I know this is crazy in college athletics, proactivity. There's a chance here. And I would seriously consider taking advantage of that opportunity for proactivity and uniform proactivity in order to prevent things like this from happening in the future. Will they do it? (laughs) Probably not. (laughs) Probably not. It'll probably get to keep storming the court. Not a good. (laughs) You're too old for this. Where are you going to go to storm the court anyway? I don't know. Yeah, I go to Maryland. And, yeah, go to Maryland. You know, when Justin, Towson welcomes in. When is Maryland going to storm the court again? Um, With well, Derek Queen next year? Yeah, hopefully. Yeah, I hope so. Hope whenever, so. Whenever Purdue's in the building. <laughs> God. What an embarrassing team to storm the court against. Well, Purdue was, they were number one last year. It's or fine. When they beat was, them last year, were the, they two or three at the time? You I knew know. they were going to lose in the first round of the NCAA tournament. Uh, they lost in the second round <laughs> of the NCAA tournament. Believe it, are we calling that the third round now, actually? No, we're not doing that. <laughs> we're definitely not doing that. We're a win away from the Sweet 16. <sighs> Something like that. I, you know you can bet uh, spring training games at Superbook? Really? If you, I would take the Orioles not to lose, ever. Uh, ever? I don't think so. Never, I mean, it ever, seems ever. like They are 2-0. Oh, it seems that? like they will not lose. They got two games. They can win twice today. They could. They could win twice. You can bet on both? Uh, yes, you can definitely. They're bet, definitely both available at Superbook. Wow. Oh, take that back. They're not available because oh. I don't think... Not yet, because I don't think we know which roster is going where. Uh, no, they, oh. they had lineups out. Oh, okay. Well, it seems like it's kind of a mix. Well, that's odd. Yeah. Mullins, odd. Adley. Then I assume it'll be available very shortly. Austin Hayes in Sarasota, and then Ad- Santander, and Jackson Holiday and Kerstad. That are is all weird. In, all in the North Point, or North Port, where, where Atlanta is. I don't I don't have the answer to any of that so, and why yeah. it is that way. I can tell you that Coppin, they're 13-point dogs on the road at Howard tonight. Morgan, five-point dogs at home against Norfolk. You can bet those. Superbook.com. Download the Superbook app. Use the code GlennClark23 when you sign up. You'll receive up to $250 in a same-day first bet match, win or lose. 
All right. Um, can we take a break? Yes. Take a break. Then we'll talk to Cole Irvin. Orioles pitcher made his first start at the spring yesterday. A little uptick in velocity. That's that's interesting. We'll talk about that when we come back in. Glenn Clark Radio. Hey, it's Jeremy Kahn. This postseason, bet in person at the Green Turtle Bet Park Sportsbooks with locations in Canton and in Towson and enjoy the best in-class sports wagering experience at their state-of-the-art facilities, bringing an unmatched sports betting thrill. Gambling can be a fun and entertaining experience, but there are risks involved. If you're planning on betting on the game at the casino or on your phone or computer, know your limit, stay within it. Set a budget and a time to stop. Remember, gambling isn't a financial solution and it doesn't mix well with alcohol or drugs. Know the risks and have a plan before you begin gambling. For free and confidential services, call 1-800-GAMBLER 24-7 or go to helpmygamblingproblem.org. Discover your next favorite beer crafted in the heart of Charm City. At Guilford Hall Brewery, we believe beer should be flavorful and easy to enjoy. Our meticulously crafted lagers and ales are derived from centuries-old European brewing traditions, a staple for both the seasoned beer aficionado or a novice hophead. Experience beer styles that dare to showcase the exceptionality of simplicity. Visit our restaurant and brewery at 1611 Guilford Avenue or view our menu and tap map online at guilfordhall.com. Guilford Hall Brewery, European tradition, Baltimore charm. Make the most out of every day in your Toyota RAV4. Available in hybrid or gas-only models. A RAV4 can get you where you want to go in style. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new RAV4s from your local Toyota dealer today. There's so much focus on sports betting these days, but I want to talk about an area that nobody wants to gamble on. Where you choose to go out and spend your hard-earned dollars to eat. The Casas Inn is no gamble at all. The quality on their menu is outstanding, and the value is off the charts with a great and varied list of special Monday through Friday. And the staples of the menu, whether it's salads, burgers, fish, they're all fantastic. And I haven't even mentioned the crabs or crab cakes yet. So check out the menu for yourself at CostasIn.com. When choosing a place to dine, never gamble on the food you put in your belly. The Costas Inn at 4100 North Point Boulevard or call 410-477-1975 for reservations and your steam crab orders. Six chicken tenders made from fresh, never-frozen Royal Farms world-famous chicken. A family-sized order of Western fries, honey mustard dipping sauce, and a two-liter bottle of Dr. Pepper. It's Royal Farms' new Tucker's Tenders Meal. It's Justin Tucker's favorite, and at only $19.99, it'll be your favorite meal, too. The new Tucker's Tenders Meal, available only at Royal Farms. Now you can kick back, relax, and eat like a champion. Real fresh, real fast, Royal Farms. What company has the expertise to make your home healthier by purifying your air and killing all viruses, allergens, and bacteria? A.J. Michaels, Heating and Air Conditioning in Baltimore and Annapolis, ajmichaels.com. Hungry? With seven locations throughout Maryland, Glory Days Grill is always right around the corner. They have wings, burgers, salads, sandwiches, and drinks to satisfy everyone, as well as tons of televisions and sound delivered right to your phone. Glory Days is the best place to watch football or whatever your favorite sport is. While you're there, be sure to check out Goose Flights Lager, named in honor of legendary Raven Tony Goose Siragusa. $2 of every can is donated to the Goose Flights Foundation. Glory Days Grill. Great food, good sports. One of the things that's definitely wrong with this country is that this dude still has a job somehow, some way. Glenn Clark. Back in here on GCR as we continue along on a Monday edition of the program. Goose Flights, delicious lager available all over town. 
Cans are available at your neighborhood Glory Days Grill, all of the Glory Days Grill locations in the state of Maryland. Also, cans are available at the Green Turtle Bet Park Sportsbook in Canton, as well as at Alonzo's on Cold Spring Lane. Cans and Sixers at the Costas Inn and at Guilford Hall Brewery. Sixers and Cases at the Wine Source in Hamden. One ninety-eight from every can sold goes to benefit the Goose Flights Foundation. Get your Goose Flights today. We had to do this a little bit earlier on because of, uh, you know, they've got this whole baseball thing going on, getting ready for the start of a season, whatever that means. But the opportunity to catch up with Cole Irvin, Orioles starting pitcher right here on GCR. Join now here on GCR. It's great to catch up with our next guest. Uh, got to know him a year ago, and now he's getting ready for a spot in the rotation this season with the Baltimore Orioles. Down from Sarasota, we check in with Orioles pitcher Cole Irvin, who's with us now on the program. Cole, it's Glenn. It's great to see you again, man. Thanks so much for spending the time with us. Yeah, thanks, Glenn, for having me on. I'm excited to be back with you guys. So I remember you are a racing fan, correct? Yep. You are you like so like the 500 last weekend? Were you like glued? Were you all in, or is it more like yeah, I'll find out who won. I don't really care week to week. It's not that big of a deal to me. So, so the way I start my spring training off is we do a little. Uh, Daytona 500 pool. Okay. And, uh, and so that's kind of how I've done it the past, you know, four seasons and stuff like that. So I'm all in, I mean, I live in racing city, USA over, you know, near Mooresville, North Carolina. So, uh, know all the NASCAR guys and, um, do some eye racing and stuff as well. And I was actually at, a there was a PRO event, which is drag racing, funny cars, top fuel dragsters and stuff, uh, the week before camp started. So oh, that's cool. Any style of racing, I'm in on. Is it something that you could viably see yourself attempting to do in the future or like, hey, baseball's been good to me. I, I don't think I have to worry about whatever my future is going to be. You know, let's just let's just focus on the career <laughs> yeah. now. I'd love to yeah. I'd love to I'd love to be in racing in some capacity down the road. But it's cool. Um I think the racing simulator kind of gives me my fix in the off season. <laughs> Who had William Byron in the Daytona pool? Uh, Bruce Zimmerman uh, won his second year in a row. It's Wait. a little disappointing. Now, how does that? Now you got to start wondering if this thing is fixed. Do, do do does he know? Did he like know who William Byron was? Did you have to like let him know? So so, so the way we do it is we do a pick three snake draft. Okay, twelve people. Um, and then we do, uh, we do a DNF pot as well. So if your car does not finish the race, which is Daytona 500, there's going to be plenty of cars not finishing the race. Uh, there's a little bit of extra cash that goes to the fastest lap of the race. Well, he ended up winning fastest lap of the race with another one of his drivers had all three drivers finish and had the lowest points total. And he just took away the pot. Look at the horseshoe up Bruce's ass, man. This is crazy. That is unbelievable, (laughs) man. Um, Okay. So, uh, and then we'll move on to baseball because I know that's what people actually care about here. But the, uh, do you like the speedway racing? Like the thing where, you know, someone could be behind the pack all day, but all it takes is one wreck that they might've been involved with to begin with. And that's how they win the race. And everybody says it's not really fair. Like, do you, do you dig that because it's different or does it bother you as a racing fan? I think, I think restrictor play racing is, is fun in some capacity. Yeah. I enjoy parts of it. Um, but I think for me, I enjoy like 
you know, this weekend's going to be in Atlanta. So I'll be watching that one because that, that they changed the track and, you know, made some updated features and there's a little bit more of a kind of driver's track, but it's still high speed. Um, you know, Coke 600 is probably my race that I like to watch the most. Uh, that's you know, the Charlotte one. Right? My yeah. yeah. That's yeah. in Charlotte. Yeah. So, um, and you know, that's a that's a really fun event so uh that'll be a bucket list race that i'll get to what's down the, the road but what, um is it what is the fastest in any of these things that you've done what's the fastest you've ever traveled in a vehicle uh probably about 163 i think it was the last okay uh time i went that what fast? does it feel yeah. like honest i've never you know I, I, most of us will never experience this what does it actually feel like when you're going that fast um well in this case it was my personal vehicle like four or five years ago and it, I had a Mustang GT and um, I got it on a racetrack and just had just got it up as fast as I Dude. could. And as soon as I got it up to that speed, I said, absolutely not. I brought it back <laughs> way back down. Um, but I had to feel it. I had to feel it. My windows were up and stuff like that. So um, I would love to get in a stock car. That's a, that's a bucket list thing for me to, cool. to get into a stock car and drive that around That'd be really it be cool. Charlotte or another track. Well, I was going to say now the plan's got to be go win the world series. So you can be the grand marshal at Daytona next year, right? Like now that, now that would be awesome. That'd be that's cool. the way that it's got to work. Cole Irvin with us here on GCR. Um, you know, Cole, I remember when we were chatting last year. I really appreciate your perspective because it was, you know, after you had struggled early on and you were like, no, I'm, I, if, if I'm going to end up being in the bullpen at the end of the year, let's go ahead and do that. And I appreciated that because I think for a lot of guys, it was it was difficult to, to go through that and all of that last year. And then I guess what was, was the offseason for you preparing to be in the bullpen and then everything flips when, when we get some news? Or are you preparing to be a starter and compete for a starter role? Like What was the offseason like after kind of all of the craziness of a year ago? So I took a week off uh, from the end of our season to um, start my programming. Um, typically, I'm taking about two weeks off to give my body a full rest. And but last year, with only having 77 or so, you know, big league innings, um, I was pretty pissed off um, with my performance. Um, now you can look at the tale of two halves, right? Mm -hmm. Um, you can look at my first three starts and then look at the rest of the year, or you can look at the front first half and second half. Um, and I looked at neither. I looked at the overall, I said, that's not good enough. That's not to my standard. And, um, I, I attacked this off season, uh, to prepare to come in and, um, win a job. Um, and you know, we had some pretty, you know, we had guys that are that are slotted into the rotation, um, but you you never know, um, and that's the that's the good thing about you know having teammates that are are your friends and competitors is you know everyone had the same thought, um, you know, so everyone had a really good off season. I think the way we lost uh, in the postseason, you know, left a bitter taste in our mouth, and um, a lot of us got after it. Um, and so my my off season training was to. The intent was to okay, whatever role they decide for me, that's that's their decision. I'm coming in with the starter mindset, yeah. and I'm gonna change. You know, the way I throw my sinker, I'm gonna throw the chain. You know, throw the uh, slider more of a sweeper. I'm gonna th throw the cutter harder, and I'm gonna throw more of like a gyro curveball that's wow. similar to Jordan Montgomery. Like I'm trying to make some changes to my uh, 
my arsenal to to really turn some heads. So okay, that's a lot, right? Like that's a lot of pitch changes that you're talking about. How, boy, is is it when I say it's is it too much? I know the answer is what it can't be because you did it. But were you worried about making so many changes to your arsenal during the course of one off season? No, and and the reason being is that all the changes that I made were small tweaks okay. to get a steam to catch or to get you know maybe a little bit more behind the ball and 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 use my legs a little bit more than I typically have in the past and like uh, my strength workouts were geared towards how to put force into the ground and use it to my strengths and my ability um, you know the foundations that I already have so. It had a lot more to do with how do I grow from, okay, yeah, I'm a command pitcher. Um, you know, I pitch in and out. I know how to throw strikes. But how do you, how do I expand that? How do I make that stuff better? And it was all just making small tweaks and adjustments that weren't uh, overbearing. Um, but, I mean, I think a lot of it, the reason I found success by making those adjustments um, is just because I do have a lot of feel on my fingertips and okay. in my body. Like I focus on those feels and it's, it's easy for me to maybe make an adjustment um, when I'm, when I've been that way my whole career. I'm thinking specifically about the gyro ball, right? You guys have so much technology, so much data now, and I'm sure that, you know, you were using that technology this off season as you're working on these pitches is there something like a, a spin rate? Was there any number that like when you, as you were working on this pitch, you hit it and you say, okay, now I know it works. Now I know that I can put this in and this will work against major league hitters. You don't know until you face those major league hitters. Yeah. Um, and for me, that was, you know, I faced Chad Pender before I left for the off season. He, okay. you know, retired last season and was my old teammate in Oakland. Um, but you know, he gave me some good feedback before I came out here and, um, in my lives the other day, I had some fantastic feedback from, you know, Santander, uh, Georgie, um, Cedric, you know, all the guys were giving me great feedback, uh, for me to expand on in my bullpens and stuff like that. But it, it doesn't really kind of click until you face hitters and, and, um, you try to put it into a game-like situation. I asked this question, and again, I know that some of these things are silly because you're hell-bent in every circumstance. You're a professional athlete. But at the same time, given what you went through a year ago in a new place, did you find yourself more, you know, like sort of chomping at the bit? Did you find yourself more hell-bent, more driven over the course of the offseason to say, that's not the story of who I am. I'm going to rewrite that this season. Yeah, I think, it, I think you know, you got to – you have to be honest with yourself and anything that you do and, uh, and reflect on performance, reflect on, um, you know, your dedication to your craft. And, uh, this off season was one of those that I said, all right, I wasn't happy with where my weight was. I mean, I hmm. was at like two thirty six to two thirty eight, Um, and now I'm do down anywhere between, you know, two twenty three to two twenty six. Um, and you know, that was an emphasis. Okay. I'm going to eat better. I'm going to be a little bit more clean, um, and then how do I move my body a little bit more quicker now that I have the, the weight off? Um, that was a new, you know, change for my programming, but we figured that out. And so it's, uh, this off season, I was just, I was so hell bent on 
making better changes for not just for myself, but for my career. Yeah. Um, and I was focused on day-to-day processes that I think at the end of the day uh, will help the team, um, which is the end goal is to, you know, put ourselves in the best position that we can to help the team win as many ball games as we can. And um, that's, that's the end end goal. And sometimes you got to be honest with yourself is, did you achieve that in the previous season um, or the previous off season? And how did that set yourself up? So I, I'm, I'm really excited about this season. The, uh, the most difficult thing that you either had to give up in the process of losing a little bit of weight or the most difficult thing that you had to learn to enjoy eating that you don't really actually enjoy eating was what? Ooh, that's a good question. I think it had more to do with not eating like, like my croissant sandwiches or like bagel sandwiches, okay. like in the mornings. Okay. I'm a big bread guy um, in the mornings, and so it's the devil, I man. got it, off of it, God. and that that was difficult. You, um, I was down. So I don't. I gave up bread a few years ago, and I am. Um, I don't want to pretend like I'm in like svelte shape or anything like that. But I was down in uh, South Florida. We took my kids on a Disney cruise in January. And I'm down in South Florida. I'm sitting in a deli. And I look up and I see like a Cuban sandwich on the menu. And I'm like, ah, uh, what? Do, I have to. Like, I just have to. I can't Absolutely. deny. How do you deny yourself in that moment getting a Cuban when you're in Miami? <laughs> you can't. So, I mean, my downfall is empanadas. Oh, if I God. see an empanada on a menu, I'm oh, absolutely crushing them. Bro. I have I have my old teammate Frankie Montas to thank for that one. I used to I uh, used to work in D.C. and there was one particular place you go out in Georgetown and there was like an empanada street, a place across the street. And uh, after uh, after an evening of drinking, I think I crushed uh, hundreds of empanadas during the <laughs> course of that time. Damn, I don't blame you whatsoever when it comes to that. Um, uh, Cole, hey, Cole Irvin with us here on GCR. The the excitement of all of this right now, and I and I get that like at the professional level, um, you you lose guys that you like when you make a trade, but to be on a team that goes out and gets a Corbin Burns and says, "No, we're going for it." Um, what does that do for everybody? Like, I know you guys were already good and you guys just won 101 games in the division, but like to, to make that proclamation as a franchise, what does that do for everyone when you show back up together during the course of a spring? I think it brings a little bit more excitement to spring. Um, especially, especially getting Corbin, um, you know, a lot of guys, throw, like a lot of guys throw cutters here. And I think a lot of guys have been picking his brain on it. Um, hmm. And uh, it's been fun to, you know, get to know him. He's a great teammate, um, but he knows how to pitch in the postseason. Um, and that's that's the guy we got. And so the intent is to, okay, we made the postseason last year, but what did we do with that? You know, how did we learn from it? And uh, when you go and get Corbin Burns uh, to, you know, to lead the staff, who's a workhorse for you, who's, who's you know, 200 plus innings, you know, in a season, he's going to do great things. And um, I think the expectation from his end too is, okay, you guys were in the postseason last year. Let's get back there. I want to help you guys. You know, I want to win a world series too. And so the expectation in the room for, for, you know, all of us is being better than we were a season ago, yeah. whether how we get to the playoffs, I don't think matters. I think it's now, okay, we know what to do to win games in the postseason. Um, we just need to get there and then focus on that process. The, the, the bit, does your, do you have to almost trick yourself into believing that you're still, it looks like right now you're safely in the rotation, right? Given the circumstances with John and with Kyle, 
But do you have to like trick yourself to, in your mind say that's not the case whatsoever? Like I'm not safe just to bring out that highest level of competitor in you. Yeah, I think um, you know Tyler Wells and I are close and and talk and we've talked you know countless about just sticking to the day to day process. Yeah. Um, you know, being a part of like okay, you know, he and I are staying at you know uh, a team hotel and. Um, you know, we're like, okay, let's go use the grill. Let's go like making sure that we're staying accountable for, you know, being healthy and, and focusing on what we need to do to be ready to take that ball every fifth day or sixth day. And, um, and I think that's just the level of competition, whether Kyle and John are in the, uh, rotation or not. I think that was going to be the intent. Like we care about each other. We want to win together and, you know, it's just a next man up mentality. And so if we, if we get all caught up in, Oh, whose rotation spot's going to be this or that. Um, I feel like we've, we're doing our team and our ourselves a disservice. We're not going to be able to perform to our best ability. And we just got to focus on that on the work and the day-to-day process. So um, I'm not sure if you're aware of it, Cole, but there's a, the internet believes they've uncovered something that you figured out the trick of how to wear these new jerseys which is to to tuck the jerseys literally into your underwear. Is that true? Is that an actual trick that you figured out in order to combat the nature of the new jerseys you guys are dealing with? That's the first I've heard that I've done that because I don't do that at all. Okay. Okay. So this is something that popped up on Twitter that was a belief. You have no trick in combating. Like you guys are all dealing with this the same way. Uh, I, I don't want to speak too bluntly about it because, you know, there are standards here, but there are some maybe issues that you guys might be dealing with, with how um, th- things might be a little bit more seen wearing these particular uniforms. Yeah. Um, I think we got to focus on a little bit more than, uh, than we might have in the past about that <laughs> sort of thing. Um, but I'll, I'll say this, uh, you know, it's, um, that's a problem that we can't solve. It's not in our hands, you know, like that's, that's about it. Like, I I know exactly what you're feeling right now. It's just like, bro, I just want to pitch. Yeah. Like we're in that, we're in that phase where all of us are in the same phase. We're like, look, we can't control that. Let's just go play ball and win games. That's all we're focused on right now. Yep. I completely understand how you're feeling about it. We will control what we can control and everything else will fall in line. Um, I feel like I didn't – a year ago, one of my favorite pictures of the year, the the shirt that you wore that was like the Hawaiian shirt with the dog on it. Can you tell me about that? Uh, that wasn't just one dog. That was all five of my dogs. Those are I your have, dogs. Or all four of my dogs. I have five now. Um, Foster Field won this offseason. Um, I, think, I think my wife has thought about putting my two horses on a shirt for okay. this coming year. Okay. Um, so it might be a horse shirt, <laughs> but that, but that to me, uh, it, it was kind of fun. I didn't realize that you could put images of your family members or dogs, uh, on, onto a shirt. And so I, and so my wife surprised me with that, and the next day I wore it to the field, and I just real it just happened to be photo day. I would really love to know off the so I am the MC of Project Runway in partnership with Show Your Soft Side, and a couple of years ago when I did it for the first time, I got I bought purchased a jacket that had Christmas cats on it uh, in order to wear to the event, and everybody okay. loved that a great deal. But if I could get my do- like my kids would lose their mind if I could do this with my dog and make the shirt. So I would love to know where you got it made because I would actually like to do this myself for MCing project runway this year. 
I really think that Kristen found it on like uh oh Etsy. Okay. I want to say it was Etsy. She okay. found it on there. Okay. Um and so I again I I I'm curious to where she found it too because it was again it was a surprise like in the mail to my locker and I opened it up and it was all my dogs and I'm like what is going on I've never seen this before Are you are you the type that at 5 now you're like okay we're good or is there part of you that's like we could have a sixth So we're we're good okay. we're good <laughs> yeah, okay. um 5 is 5 is uh definitely plenty um and uh, we got two, like I said, we got two yeah. horses uh, and, and a mare and a colt um, that we didn't know we were going to have a, a baby horse. So that was, that happened. Um, so with that being said, we're good on animals um, <laughs> until maybe a year and a half from now when we're finally moved into our, 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 our property that we, that we purchased in oh, the off cool. season. That's cool, man. Uh, congratulations for that. That's awesome, man. That is a really cool thing. Uh, my wife and I live on a horse farm. It is not my world. She She's all in. I don't understand any of it, but God bless her. She's happy, so that's all that matters in my life. Um, Swervin underscore Irvin 19 is, of course, how you can follow him uh, on Twitter. It, it's Is it just Swervin Irvin on Instagram? Remind me, Cole. No, it's the same, same thing, thing as Twitter right. and Instagram. Um so that's that's where you can find me. Um, I'll, I'll tentatively, uh, you know, hang out in my own Discord and stuff. Uh, I think it's linked somewhere on my Twitter. Um, and then I just started a YouTube channel this off season, so I'm gonna post start posting a little bit more. Awesome. Uh, this fall. So that's, that's going to be fun. That's really cool, man. I love what you do to support animals seriously. And what I do with show your soft side, that means the world, um, that, that you guys take care of them and give them good homes that way. Looking forward to seeing throughout the course of the season. Appreciate you hopping on with us this morning. Thanks so much for doing this Cole. Yeah, thanks for having me. Glad I appreciate it and look forward to being back on in the future. It's Cole Irvin with us here this morning on GCR. Appreciate him taking the time for us. And um, it was good to see the velocity up in his first start yesterday. Obviously, the Orioles right now look like they're going to need Cole Irvin to be at, at least the number five starter for this team for, again, at least the start of the season. So, boy, what it would do, what a good problem it would be for Cole Irvin to look like something similar to the guy that he looked like in Oakland two years ago and earn truly like lock down a rotation spot. Then if you get John Means back, that's again what we like to call a good problem to have. Not a real problem, not an actual problem, good problem if that proves to be the case. But uh, he's fun. Appreciate him taking the time for us as always. Into hour number two of today's program, Griffin, what's going on at Live Casino in Hotel Maryland? Uh, Sports and Social is the ultimate fan experience, and it is awaiting you at Sports and Social Maryland. See how they are raising the sports bar with their massive 100-foot media wall featuring 40 HD TVs and a massive 47-foot big screen. So bet on your favorite teams and sports at this year's uh, on this year's biggest events at the FanDuel Sportsbook while enjoying your favorite beers, cocktails, plus delicious takes on bar food classics. Visit Sports and Social at Live Casino in Hotel Maryland. Adirondo, Adirondo Mills must be 21. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. When we come back in, a couple more things I want to talk about from the weekend, and then Ray Glass from Towson Lacrosse is going to join us. That's on the way. It's Glenn Clark Radio. 
Why bet with the big boys this football season? Instead, try your hand with the local book, Superbook Sports, this fall. Superbook Sports is the book next door. Just a dedicated team of the best odds makers in Las Vegas, making sure you get the best prices and parlays anywhere. And now, Superbook will give you a bonus of up to $250 when you sign up and wager on the same day and use the promo code GlennClark23, G-L-E-N-N-C-L-A-R-K-2-3. So bet with the best and use the promo code GlennClark23 this football season with Superbook Sports. Visit Superbook.com for terms and conditions. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. There's so much focus on sports betting these days, but I want to talk about an area that nobody wants to gamble on. Where you choose to go out and spend your hard-earned dollars to eat. The Casas Inn is no gamble at all. The quality on their menu is outstanding, and the value is off the charts with a great and varied list of specials Monday through Friday. And the staples of the menu, whether it's salads, burgers, fish, they're all fantastic. And I haven't even mentioned the crabs or crab cakes yet. So check out the menu for yourself at CostasInn.com. When choosing a place to dine, never gamble on the food you put in your belly. The Costas Inn at 4100 North Point Boulevard or call 410-477-1975 for reservations and your steam crab orders. What company has the expertise to make your home healthier by purifying your air and killing all viruses, allergens, and bacteria? A.J. Michaels. Heating and air conditioning in Baltimore and Annapolis, ajmichaels.com. Whether your focus is luxury and comfort, convenience and technologically advanced connectivity, or sporty performance and aggressive styling, we've got the perfect Highlander for you. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new Highlanders from your local Toyota dealer today. Discover your next favorite beer crafted in the heart of Charm City. At Guilford Hall Brewery, we believe beer should be flavorful and easy to enjoy. Our meticulously crafted lagers and ales are derived from centuries-old European brewing traditions, a staple for both the seasoned beer aficionado or a novice hophead. Experience beer styles that dare to showcase the exceptionality of simplicity. Visit our restaurant and brewery at 1611 Guilford Avenue or view our menu and tap map online at guilfordhall.com. Guilford Hall Brewery, European tradition, Baltimore charm. The latest edition of PressBox is available now, and on the cover we look at the promise of spring for the Baltimore Orioles as Todd Karpovich and others shine the light on the team's hopes to take the next step towards championship contention and what reinforcements could still be coming. Plus, PressBox personalities offer suggestions to David Rubenstein about stewarding the franchise. Also inside, Bo Smolka on how the Ravens' defense could evolve with new coordinator Zach Orr. And we meet lacrosse players from the men's and women's programs across the state. PressBox is available for free at over 500 area locations, including 60 Royal Farm stores. And you can always find the entire edition as well as the best daily coverage of the O's, Ravens, and Terps at PressBoxOnline.com. Contrary to what some people believe, I actually like this guy when he sleeps. Glenn Clark, talking sports. Four o'clock today, Stan the Fan Charles, Ross Grimsley, Luke Jackson will be getting together at Facebook.com slash PressBoxSports. You can hang out with them, talk some baseball again. That's coming up today, four o'clock. Um, big moment last night, really special, not just because you know I, I work uh, with Loyola and part of their family, but just because I've gotten to know this young man and is unbelievable, but Pat Spencer made his NBA debut last night. Got in uh, late in the Warriors' loss to the Nuggets. There was a fun moment where he kind of got dapped up by Nikola Jokic. Um, it it the the only bummer about it is they're playing at the Wizards tomorrow night, so there's 
presumably going to be an awful lot of Pat Spencer fans, friends, family. They're going to be making the uh, short trip down the road from uh, Davidsonville and Baltimore in order to go see him. So that would have been really cool if it had worked out that he made his debut. But, I mean, who cares? He made his debut. He's playing in the NBA. It's it's badass. I mean, it's, it's just insanity. And, um, you know, we've seen some lacrosse players who have transitioned to football, like uh, Jared Bernhardt, who spent a little bit of time with the Falcons. Obviously, Chris Hogan, famously, you know, a really good lacrosse player who ended up being, had a great career playing with the Patriots. Uh, Will Yateman, who played lacrosse at Maryland, uh, became a tight end and had a run with the Dolphins, among other teams. It's, it's something that we've seen a bit of. But this is truly unprecedented. There's not a more difficult league to get into than the NBA. You know that because there's 15 cats on a team. 15. And Pat Spencer's story is just, it's unreal. The grind from being I don't want to I don't want to use too much hyperbole here. To me he's the greatest lacrosse player of a generation. And I know that there'll be people that'll have opinions about that and there'll be other and that's I'm not I'm fine with that. I'm not trying to say that it's definitive. I happen to see an awful lot of Pat Spencer, so I feel pretty strongly about him. But whatever, you know, your belief is about who I that's it's fine. It's not really worth the debate. He was a magician. I mean, he did things other humans weren't capable of doing. A bully on the field. It was watching, you know, before we ever had any thought that there was, that this was possible. Going into his senior year, I remember I wrote a column that was just, you are watching something special. And and these types of athletes come along so rarely. People who are just truly special. Go watch him. I like, guess literally the entirety of the column was like, don't miss this opportunity that you have in front of you to see a transcendent athlete perform. And again, that was before I knew that he was going to end up in the NBA because at the time we all knew that he was interested in playing a year of basketball. But like a lot of people thought he was just going to play a year of basketball at Loyola afterwards. This was almost unthinkable. The story of the Spencer family is probably one of the most incredible stories of, I mean, who in the world saw Cam, Spen- Cam Spencer doing what he's doing? Remember, he was their backup plan because they wanted Nick Timberlake. Wow. That was <laughs> Worked out okay for you, Connor. It did, it did. Worked out <laughs> all right. It's incredible. It's truly and I've I've gotten to know both these guys. I, their mom, she's awesome. Like she's the type that like comes up to you after games and wants to chat with you. She's just a wonderful person. Um. I I the Pat Spencer story is unbelievable, and and it, it transcends both things. It's both how special it is to see him live out his dream. I remember I would get really emotional. When Brandon Copeland signed with the Ravens, it was genuinely emotional for me because I knew it was a dream for him. 
it wasn't forced. It was a dream to play for the Baltimore Ravens specifically. Now, he had already had a very successful career at that point, and it was clearly on the tail end. But remember, he was like, dude, I will drive myself back to Baltimore for a chance to try out to be a Raven. That's how badly he wanted it all to come full circle. His grandfather had played in Baltimore. He got his first taste of a training camp in Baltimore. He just wanted to play as a Baltimore Raven so badly. And so I was emotional about it. Our buddy Steve Johnson, it was always emotional to me that he got to be a Baltimore Oriole. It's just those types of stories. Again, it goes into like why we love sports. You grow up here. It was the team you knew. Your father played for like those it's it's unreal when stories play out that way. Pat Spencer living his dream proving something and this isn't like some gimmick. Pat Spencer was averaging 16 points a game playing in the G League and shooting 43% from beyond the arc this season. He earned this opportunity by grinding and by proving himself. A lot of people doubted that he could play at the Big Ten level after not playing basketball at all for years in a competitive... I mean, like he was certainly still playing basketball. But he went out and he proved himself for that year at Northwestern. And now this, it's unreal. To see Pat Spencer be able to live out his dream... We texted a little bit the other day. We, it was I, Pat's going to come on. As you would imagine, it's kind of a hectic time for him. He'll be on with us at some point. Um, that part of this is... It's, it's hard to put into words. And then combine it with... We at some point have to talk about where Pat Spencer stands among the greatest local athletes of all time. You know, I... I've accepted it's Michael Phelps and Babe Ruth, and then we can talk about everybody else after that. But Carmelo Anthony's in that conversation, of course, and, uh, you know, there's a Cal Ripken, Jesus, what am I doing? Yeah. Right? Cal Ripken's at the top. Like, there's not a lot of room in the top five. There's four that, like, you come off with right away, and then what do you consider local? Like, do you stretch out to, like, Jimmy Fox? Is he local? I, th- these are debates. Oh, Al Kaline absolutely is in that. But Pat Spencer, and I've said this before about Brian Jordan. Like, Brian Jordan, to me, the fact that he was able to play both sports at professional levels suggests that maybe, despite the fact that he was not a Hall of Fame caliber player in either one, we have to consider where he is amongst the greatest local athletes of all time. we got to talk about it with Pat Spencer. And some of it, you have to know truly how great he was as a lacrosse player to understand how insane this is. With all due respect to the other guys I brought up, Will Yateman, Chris Hogan, Bernhardt, Bernhardt would be closer. Jerry Bernhardt was closer to Pat Spencer than those guys were, but he was better than all of them. This is bonkers, man. It's bonkers. and Just such a cool, cool thing for a, a local guy who's done nothing but work his ass off and grind to get that opportunity. So a very cool moment last night as Pat Spencer made his NBA debut. And ironically, speaking of lacrosse, let's continue to talk some lacrosse. And Loyola hosts Towson tomorrow night. 
Uh, had to do this a little bit early on because of their practice schedule today, but a chance to catch up with a member of the Towson lacrosse team right here on GCR. We'll join now here on GCR by a man who's got to be feeling good about where his team is as they've won three straight games, including all three really by blowout fashion. They're now getting ready for a big week of local games tomorrow night at Loyola. Then Saturday they host UNBC. We welcome in to team captain Shortstick D. Mitty for Towson. He is Ray Glass, and he is with us now here on GCR. Ray, it's Glenn. It's great to chat, man. Thank you so much for taking the time for us. Now, how you doing, Glenn? It's definitely a pleasure to be on here. Thank you for having me. Man, it's great to chat with you, dude. And I know it's been uh, it's got to be good vibes right now. I guess take me back to after the Hopkins game, right? Like, what was the conversation like with your guys? What did it take in order to say, all right, we got to move past this. This isn't going to define us. Okay, so obviously with that being our first game, um, it was kind of a wake-up call. And we were going into a, a against a very, very good opponent at their turf. And um, over the past couple of years, it's kind of been one-sided with them. But, uh, you know, like like you said, it didn't define us. And one of the things that we pride ourselves on, like three core values of our team, is uh, accountability, compete, and toughness. And the acronym is ACT. And so with that being said, like Coach Sean Nadlin uh, and all the other coaches really, like, dove into what we need to do as a team and focus on our strengths and weaknesses. Uh, with that being said, we came out strong against our last three opponents and we kept the pedal down. And another thing that we focused on in the fall was doing things 100%, 100% of the time. So that's a staple within our team and some of the reasons why we've been very successful the I past think, couple of years. I think one of the things that a lot of people knew about your team coming in is is how many guys you brought back, right? Like how many players. You, you, I guess there was a core group that had really built together. How much has that benefited you guys at the start of this season after you go through a tough loss to, to be so comfortable, to have such veteran experience in order to bounce back so quickly. Yeah, having guys come back, obviously the team chemistry is there and it's been there for years in the making. Um, those guys who came back, we've been in positions where we've lost before multiple times and being able to try to look at what we did that time and change it and make a better outcome out of it. So like I said, like looking at our flaws and looking at strengths and being able to like dial in to what we can do and controlling the controllables. So making the little plays, uh, that one more ground ball, that one more shot, that one more extra step, getting your hands free. Um, just dialing into the little things. And the older guys have definitely set the tone for the new guy, the newer guys and the foundation of the team right now, Glenn. You know, I, I think about you guys really played well down the stretch last season. Did you kind of use that as fuel and feel as though coming into this season – you maybe were getting, I don't know, maybe a little disrespected and that you guys were better than perhaps what the expectations were for you within the CAA coming into the year? Well, Glenn, uh, a lot of the, the, the outside talk, we, we kind of ignore it. Um, that's not something that defined our team. It's not something we, we even care about. We focus on what we can do and what we can control. So the outside noise, there's always going to be outside noise. And one of the things that we tell our guys is to not even worry about it. Focus on what we have ahead. And that's that's our primary focus. The outside noise is always going to be there. There's nothing you can do to change it. So being able to mentally disengage yourself from that aspect and go into every game knowing what we're capable of is, is how we're how we're doing it. Serving you well right now. Towson at Loyola tomorrow night, also on ESPN+. Plus. We're chatting with Ray Glass, captain of the Tigers, short stick D. Mitty. 
Ray, your story is fascinating to me, right? Like, I, I, I'm going to start with just being a local kid, Perry Hall kid, went to Calvert Hall. Like, did, did you know you wanted to stay home and play, like, five feet away from where you had been playing? Or, you know, w- was it just the way that it worked out that you ended up at Towson? Um, yeah, so with college coming in, like, obviously my senior year was COVID, and, like, a lot of high school kids um, who were in my grade, graduated 2020, could probably attest to this like it was it was definitely a struggle figuring out what was going on because the world was in shambles like like i said it was a pandemic everyone was staying home and the college like college was like a question was like am i going to college am i not like how is what's the next step going to be so for me um that being said like i i enrolled in towson and i necessarily didn't know that i was like going to play lacrosse here and then Mm. I, i reached out and i was able to get a get a spot be able to try out and I eventually made the team and I was very very thankful for that and a lot of it goes into like the mentality that I think was set from a foundation for my parents so when I was little they always told me to to fight for what you want and um, nothing's impossible and I went to Calvert Hall played football lacrosse and ran track so I didn't know what I wanted to do what my focus hmm. would be hmm. because I was so involved in three different sports and then I came to Towson. There were some uh, some local guys on the team, uh, Luke Downs, or not Luke Downs, uh, Gary Zingalia, Josh Weber, and then Luke Downs eventually came up there. But some guys that I knew were Calvert Hall dudes. And then I kind of asked them, like, hey, like, you think I have a shot here? And, and uh, we ended up having a bunch of Calvert Hall guys on the team. That's, wow. that's kind of my story. Wow. That's really cool, man. And I can only imagine how much having to put in the extra work in order to earn your path has meant to you like it's got to make it so much more enjoyable to find success knowing nothing was given to you yeah 100 percent. um it's definitely a humbling thing Uh, i always pride myself on like being humble and especially like that's one thing we talk about in the team like being humble and staying true to what we do like the outside noise does not phase us and it never will so so now the other part of it is the rotc program Tell me about where that came from for you. Is that is service something you always knew you were interested in? Is it definitely part of your path after college? Like, give me the background on that. Yeah, so um, I had a couple family members uh, within the military, and like, I always asked them questions like, "Hey, like, what's it like here? Um, or like, do you like doing it? Like, what's the what's the big thing?" Because the military was a, a question to me when I was a younger kid, and I always was like figure out like what my purpose was in life uh, growing up and uh, a lot of that was attributed to covid um being locked in the house 24 7 i was like kind of lost i didn't know what i wanted to do and uh i got here my freshman year didn't join until my sophomore year and i was always wondering like hey like is it possible like to do this and i heard about the rotc program and funny thing it's partnered with loyola university <laughs> so it's <laughs> kind of funny <laughs> but uh we had a, a former teammate named Travis Maynard. He was also doing ROTC and lacrosse at the same time and I was like, Hey, like, is it possible to do this? Like what's the workload? And then I talked to him, got in contact with the the cadre at Loyola University and then I ended up joining ROTC and I think it's one of the the best things I ever could have done. What what are the goals for you now? After once lacrosse is over, once your time at Towson is over, what are the goals? So right now I am currently going to be a quartermaster officer. That is a logistics wow. officer in the U.S. Uh, Army, and I will have to go to basic offer basic officer leaders course um, 
following graduation. That would be down in Virginia for about 16 weeks. And then my path will kind of shape itself after that. Um, I will get my duty station. And then uh, since I'm a scholarship cadet, I owe eight years to the military. And okay. my plan is to go the first four years active. Well, you know, this is not, this doesn't come easy, I'm sure, right? Like, I'm sure there had to be at, at least some thought in your mind. But once you decide that this is your path, is it more excitement for that? Like, I know that right now you're excited about Loyola and you're excited about a three-in-one start and, you know, the opportunities that your team has. But how excited are you for that next, journey, you know, chapter in your journey now in service? Um, I'm definitely excited. It's a, it's the end, it's the end of a, of a journey for me from like freshman year all the way up to now for the college aspect, but it's a, another step in my life that I'm going to have to take. And obviously it's a little uh, nerve wracking at first, but you know, I think I've been put in a position to succeed in any role that I do. And I, I'm ready for it. I know I have uh, people in my battalion for ROTC who are going to like a whole bunch of different places, but the ROTC program really did their job and did a great job um, being able to train us up on what we need to know in order to be successful officers within the military. That's awesome, man. That is awesome. It's so cool to hear your perspective on that. All right, and then this week, obviously, both Loyola and UMBC, uh, being a local kid yourself, I'm imagining that these types of games maybe mean a little bit more to you. Obviously, you guys already got Navy, and then we, we talked about the Hopkins thing. But how much does a week like this mean to you? And, and maybe do you have to remind some of the guys on the team that aren't from here about how much these games mean? Yeah, with uh, a lot of these games being within the same state, obviously uh, there's there's a lot in, that goes into it. There's a lot of pride. There's a lot of family members who uh, come to the games who are like who are also local guys, local guys from the other schools. And so some of the, the teammates on those teams, like I know, and obviously they'll they'll like joke around and stuff. But like I said, the outside noise does not phase us at all. We know what we need to do to be successful, and obviously it, it would be a It'd be great if we come out on top. I no doubt about that for you guys, and I, I'm sure they're feeling the other way on the other side. Is it's been a struggle for Loyola coming into this one, so it's a big one tomorrow night. Um, Ray Glass, man, first of all, thank you for your service. I know that sometimes sounds trite, but I hope you understand how much we mean it. Um, we appreciate that someone as 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 thoughtful as you is willing to step up and say, hey, I want to do what I can do to lead. And I think that means a great deal to everyone. We are wishing you and the Tigers the best throughout the course of the season. Appreciate you spending a few minutes with us this morning. Hey, thank you, Glenn. And like I said, thank you for having me as well. It's Ray Glass, Towson Sr. And um, again, tomorrow night, 6 o'clock over at Ridley Athletic Complex, Towson takes on Loyola. Today's show also brought to you by the print issue of Pressbox, which is available right now for free at your neighborhood Royal Farms and the hundreds of locations around town where you find Pressbox. You can read it all at PressBoxOnline.com. The promise of spring as we dive into the opportunity ahead for the 2024 Baltimore Orioles. You see that collage of players on the cover. Go pick that up right now. A lot of college lacrosse inside this issue as well, available wherever you find Pressbox throughout the region. We come back in. The guy that's on the back cover of Press Box. I don't know if he'll ever make the front cover or not. We'll think about it. If he shaves, maybe. He is our friend Jeremy Kahn, and he'll join us next. Glenn Clark Radio. 
Hungry? With seven locations throughout Maryland, Glory Days Grill is always right around the corner. They have wings, burgers, salads, sandwiches, and drinks to satisfy everyone, as well as tons of televisions and sound delivered right to your phone. Glory Days is the best place to watch football or whatever your favorite sport is. While you're there, be sure to check out Goose Flights Lager, named in honor of legendary Raven Tony Goose Siragusa. $2 of every can is donated to the Goose Flights Foundation. Glory Days Grill, great food, good sports. Why bet with the big boys this football season? Instead, try your hand with the local book, Superbook Sports, this fall. Superbook Sports is the book next door. Just a dedicated team of the best odds makers in Las Vegas, making sure you get the best prices and parlays anywhere. And now, Superbook will give you a bonus of up to $250 when you sign up and wager on the same day and use the promo code GlennClark23, G-L-E-N-N-C-L-A-R-K-2-3. So bet with the best. And use the promo code GlennClark23 this football season with Superbook Sports. Visit Superbook.com for terms and conditions. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Six chicken tenders made from fresh, never-frozen Royal Farms world-famous chicken, a family-sized order of Western fries, honey mustard dipping sauce, and a two-liter bottle of Dr. Pepper. It's Royal Farms' new Tucker's Tenders Meal. It's Justin Tucker's favorite, and at only $19.99, it'll be your favorite meal, too. The new Tucker's Tenders Meal, available only at Royal Farms. Now you can kick back, relax, and eat like a champion. Real fresh, real fast, Royal Farms. The Toyota Tacoma comes in a range of models and trim lines, so you can choose the perfect Tacoma to reflect your unique personality and driving habits. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new Tacomas from your local Toyota dealer today. Gambling can be a fun and entertaining experience, but there are risks involved. If you're planning on betting on the game at the casino or on your phone or computer, know your limit, stay within it. Set a budget and a time to stop. Remember, gambling isn't a financial solution and it doesn't mix well with alcohol or drugs. Know the risks and have a plan before you begin gambling. For free and confidential services, call 1-800-GAMBLER 24-7 or go to helpmygamblingproblem.org. Jeremy Kahn here. The ultimate sports betting experience in Maryland is at the Green Turtle Bet Park Sportsbook. Join me at either location in Canton or in Towson and place your bets in person and be a part of the action. It's the best in-class sports wagering experience complete with the ultimate TV package, ensuring you can catch every game all day, every day. Their state-of-the-art facilities bring Las Vegas energy right here to Maryland just in time for postseason football. So visit the Green Turtle Bet Park Sportsbook in Canton and Towson and elevate your game day experience and hang out with me to bet, watch, and win at the Turtle. Coming back in here with Glenn and the other guy, uh, uh, Garrett, whatever his name is. You know who they are. Back in here on GCR as we continue along here on a Monday edition of the program. We'll chat with Jeremy Kahn in just a second. I have a new column up today at PressBoxOnline.com if you'd like to check it out. If you wouldn't like to check it out, then, you know, screw you, man. I don't know what I did to you. Why are you here? But if you want to check it out, it's up. It dives into the running back conversation um, if you missed Jeremy Fowler on the program last Friday, look, it's real. I, you know whether or not it comes to fruition, but I think we have enough smoke to know the Ravens are considering the high end of the running back market this off season. Jeremy Fowler says there's a limit to it. I just, I, I can both get it, and it's complicated. It's such a complicated conversation for me because, like, I don't like what's happened to running backs. It bothers me. I don't like it at all, and yet my gut is whatever money you'd be spending on a running back, you'd be better served spending elsewhere. 
That's just my gut. I, I can't tell you. Look, I, I hear it. Well, boy, how intriguing would it be, Lamar Jackson and Saquon Barkley? Yes. It'd be wild. I just, you need a right guard. You need an edge rush. I think running back is a luxury. Like, that's just my gut. I don't think the difference in the Ravens' ability to beat the Chiefs last year was whether or not they had a better running back. I think it was giving the ball to their running back. Wrote about it at PressBoxOnline.com today. You can go there and check it out. You can always check out uh, the Big Bad Morning Show on 105.7 The Fan or the Green Turtle Sportsbooks in Towson and Canton or, for example, ConcreteLocks.com, C-O-N-N. ConcreteLocks.com. That's where you'll find our friend Jeremy Kahn, who's with us now here on GCR. What's going on, buddy? How are you? And my OnlyFans page is free today, so I'm doing well. Oh, look at you. It's good because I have really been trying to make it work with that uh, commercial last week, and I just got to tell you, pal, it is uh, (laughs) – I try. (laughs) Food, fun. Somebody said, do you you go up to anybody's plate and just take food off of it? And I said, I'm the ambassador. I can do what I want. I have diplomatic immunity. Ambassador Khan, that's correct. Yeah. Food, (laughs) fun. By the way, with with the stuff you just said about the Ravens, I don't know that I could have said it any better. It it feels more like a luxury to be able to get um, a great running back like Saquon and have him back there. And I know all that stuff's exciting, but it's it's also something where it's like you have more important things that you have to figure out than just adding another running back or or putting somebody sexier in the backfield. And we still got to figure out are they going to give them the ball in the postseason once they're in the backfield? Look, man, I it's so difficult for me because I like these guys. I like Josh Jacobs, right? Like I don't I don't know where I am with Derrick Henry at this point in his career, but I I don't think I would say no. Uh, about to me, Derek. he's the most interesting one because I don't think he's going to cost what the other ones would cost. I think that's probably true. Um, I, I I'm not. I'm not saying it would be awful if the Ravens did that. I just don't – like, we're talking about whether or not they can keep Ronnie Stanley around because they have monetary issues. And I get it. The cap went up, and that's a good thing. But it went up for everybody, so now everybody's got more money. They have to keep Justin Matabike around. Like, they, there's no scenario where Justin Matabike can't be a Raven. And if that requires the tag, that's $22 million against the cap this year. That, like, hopefully you buy yourself some time and you get it figured out by July so he doesn't have to play on that figure. But, like – I, I just, well, man, I, I love yeah, these to guys. To your point, though, like, Glenn, it's one of the things that the guys were saying, well, with the cap's going up, so that could be Barkley. And I'm going, yeah, but it also could be you filling a guard spot, you right. paying players that you're already trying to retain, figuring out something that works. For, like, my number one goal in the offseason, if I'm the Ravens, is making sure Matabike's back. Yep. My number two goal is making sure Matabike's back on a contract and not the franchise tag. Yes, those so, would be my like, first two those goals. Those are the first two things I want to make sure. Yeah. And, and if, and, and like, no doubt, if you can get it worked out on a deal now, like if you don't have to put the tag on him, then it does change um, a lot about your offseason because that could be the difference in you know $12 million or so that we'd be talking about against the cap. Your offseason would be dramatically different if you can work out a deal, and maybe, again, if you can do that, that ends up being the money that you can spend on a luxury item. And that's why I'm not – It's when I say no, I'm not saying like hell no – I'm saying I, I just feel like at the moment there are other ways that the money would be better spent. If we get to the end of the offseason and they've like, – for some reason we're not talking about edge rush again. This It's so weird to me. We didn't talk about it yeah. last year, and they pulled off a miracle of miracles in that both Jadeveon Clowney and Kyle Van Noy ended up working out. Remember, Kyle Van Noy wasn't even on the team when the season began. Now we're in the exact same boat with the edge rush thing, and once again, it feels like no one is talking about it. It's it's almost 
bizarre to me. And there's no Mike McDonald to scheme up, and I hope that Zach Orr proves to be an outstanding defensive coordinator. Um, they they have to address edge rush somehow. And whether that's you know bringing back Jadeveon Clowney for a little bit more money than it cost last year, I, I don't think I'm opposed to that because he was so good a year ago that I'd be willing to listen to it. But you've got to do something there. And it's funny, too, because like you're, we're sitting here talking about it, and if I said to you, would you rather have Jadavian Clowney back or Saquon Barkley, and it's an either-or, you can't have both, like, I want the edge rusher back. Yeah, I'm sorry. I, do too. I, like, do I too. feel like you, can, you can't find a pass rusher in the mid-rounds of the NFL draft and have somebody come in and be successful. And I'm not saying it's, like, it's a foregone conclusion that you draft somebody in the third round and they come in and be your guy. But with the, ra- the way the Ravens evaluate talent, I think they'd be able to find somebody that's serviceable at best if you needed to find that. The other parts of it are, like, you have to figure out the rest of this. There's there's some things that are – like, you're going to lose players that were really good and really helpful to this team. Yeah, Patrick Queen's gone. You might Queen's have to make tough decisions on cap casualties yeah. and have dead money on the cap, too. Yeah, Patrick Queen's gone. Geno Stone almost certainly is gone. Is gone. You pointed out Kevin Zeitler's gone. The question mm-hmm. – I think the tackle position is an interesting question where everybody knows the Ronnie Stanley situation. I, I'm – Still slow to think that ends up being the answer. I just think that's a huge to, – to have left tackle be the big question mark, I, it's still, that's, still, that's still tough for me. I don't have the appetite for it just yet. I know that Ronnie Stanley has not been quite the same, and I realize the injuries, but the combination of Stanley and McCary has actually worked out fine. Somebody would say, well, why can't it just be McCary? Well, then you're hurting your depth at that position and at every other offensive line position because he's also your backup literally everywhere else. So, See, and Well, I was just going to say, to your point, though, with all those things that they have to do, Glenn, you're also coming back into a division where Cincinnati's going to come back healthier. Uh, I'm sure the Browns are going to be a little bit better. I think the Steelers are going to find their quarterback. And I still think the Ravens are going to be really good no matter what happens. But they have to be, they, I think this is a really key offseason that we're not as focused in on as we should be. I don't disagree with that. I, I don't. I like Boy, the Steelers finding their quarterback is an interesting part of this because if they do, they're dangerous as F. But it, well, there's are, just so many names out are, there. Are, now, you, like are you convinced it's Fields? Fields? That's what I was going to say. Because Fields, to me, is the one that I would say, you know, if they get Fields, they're a – they're a massive problem. I, I think they're good with Cousins, but I don't know. The Cousins thing is fascinating to me, right? Like, what? Mm-hmm. what is a team willing Cousins to do? Cousins scares me in Pittsburgh because I think it's a perfect spot for them. Right. It's, they, they don't need, they, it doesn't require greatness. Um, mm-hmm. It requires competence, and he's pay, capable of being better than competent. Well, um, statistically, Cousins is a top-five guy against man-to-man deep, top-five quarterback against man-to-man defense in this league, which sounds weird. Right. But, like, he's – he and, and, look, part of that can be, hey, I have Justin Jefferson. Yep. I'm pretty good when you're matched up one-on-one with yep. him or if there's somebody over the top. You no, know, like some of that – They've got good receivers good in Pittsburgh, too. Not Justin Jefferson, obviously, and not yeah. – you know, he had Stephon Diggs before that. It's not that that he'd be working with. But Deontay Johnson and Pickens aren't a bad combination of players to be throwing the ball to either. Um, nope. Yeah, you know, they, they do become scary at that point. And I still – I say all this – Dude, it really does bother me. I am convinced, Jeremy, and I've said this a few times, that in our lifetime, your and I's, we're going to see the death of running back. Like it's going to happen. Oh. That we are what what it will become will be not all that dissimilar to what we see with like Kyle Hamilton right now. Like and, and I almost don't know whether it's the end of the world. It's it's gonna hurt me because like I and I wrote about it today at Press Box. Part of what makes this so difficult for me is like I love running backs. Dude, watching Jamal Lewis was an effing joy in my life. 
Barry, I worshipped at the altar of Barry Sanders, right? Like seeing Barry Sanders play in Baltimore in '98 when we didn't know it was last game was was like seeing Stevie Wonder to me. It was just a magical moment yeah. for me in in my young life. Um, you know that the era of the running backs that the Ravens were going up against and Fred Taylor and Eddie George and Jerome Bettis and Corey Dillon. It was it was inc- it was just incredible. I love running backs, but. We don't think positionless is a bad thing on defense, and we're already seeing it with Debo Samuel. Like I just think that's the way it's going to go, where you're not going to have wide receivers and running backs. You're going to have skill position players offensively, and sometimes they're going to line up outside, and sometimes they're going to line up in the backfield, and that's going to be the future of football. And I, I, I hate that because I love running backs, but at the same time, I don't know that it's going to be the end of the world at that point. It's, yeah, you know, like I can't argue with anything you said there because it's the same thing. Like I think in certain situations, some running backs will be fine, but that'll be teams that can afford to pay the guys or think he's too important to their team. Kind of like Derrick Henry got paid by Tennessee. Zeke got paid by Dallas. I don't think the numbers are going to be as astronomical as they used to be, but I still think there'll be a handful of guys that get paid. The problem that we're going to see is that, I mean, the position's just been devalued. We can sit here and say whatever we want. It's just unfair to those guys, but it is what it is, and right. we're dealing with it. So um, now running backs are going to have to make themselves more valuable by, you know, catching balls out of the backfield. And, uh, you know, and they've been doing that, but it's still, it's still not a hundred percent to, to look at it and say, Oh, this is a guy we have to have. Like, I mean, the the Atlanta Falcons drafted B. John Robinson, number six, and didn't even use him the way that you would use a guy you drafted. It's so bizarre. It's so bizarre. But again, they did that, like almost announcing to everyone Dude, we're doing the bit where we're we're not going to pay him. We are purposefully drafting him in the first round because we want to have him for five to seven years and never have to pay him again. Like that's, it's just sort of the way it is. That's the nature, and they're not going to say that out loud, but everybody knows that's exactly what the thought process was. Um, I I don't know if it's Saquon Barkley. I think it'd be awesome, but it better be because they have an edge rusher too. That like they better address those things if they're going to end up considering running back in this process. Um, I'm going gonna, gonna to tell you a story because obviously the topic du jour through the sports media is uh, court storming. And I, I don't know if you have anything related to court storming, but I'm sure you have an embarrassing story about a time you thought everyone was doing something and it turns out it was just you. And I'll, I'll share mine if you need a second to think about it. I remember yeah, being, being a student at Maryland and in like December they played – a Boston college team that was off to an undefeated start, but was utterly a fluke, right? Like this was not a Boston college team that proved to be any good. And I think Troy Bell might've been the guard that was really good for that Boston college team. And Maryland beat them on maybe a Sunday night. I don't remember exactly what the scenario was when they were probably ranked number six. And everybody I was there with, was like, we're absolutely rushing the floor. Like, we're doing that. And I was like, okay, because, you know, I'm always down for a good time. And so the game ends, and I dart to the floor, and everybody realizes nobody else was running to the floor because why would you rush the floor after you beat Boston effing college? Why would anyone ever do that in the history of time? Why would that be something that would occur? So there my stupid ass is in, like, my, you know, Maryland pajamas standing. And I couldn't even tell you who was on this Maryland team at the time. I don't know. Maybe Mike Jones. Maybe it was a 
uh, DJ Strawberry team. I don't know. But, like, everybody is <laughs> looking. the court for Strawberry like, Jones. Oh, by the way, I was definitely covering this team within, like, two years of this moment. I'm standing on there in my Maryland pajamas like an idiot looking back at the rest of my friends like, dude, what the F? Like, what <laughs> happened here? And, like, nobody's ushering me off the court because I'm just one guy. <laughs> <laughs> why, yeah. why the hell would anybody I, I care? think of the time where, like, you know, pranks have been played on you like that. Like, you know, like going out for your 21st birthday and everybody's drinking water or doing shots of water and you're doing vodka or tequila. Ah, ah. And you don't know that. That happened to me. And my night ended, <laughs> my, <laughs> my 21st birthday ended with me sitting on a toilet, throwing up in my lap, and taking a crap. So, like, my ex-wife just literally shoved me in into the, a tub in the and turned the shower yeah. on all night. Oh, boy. Yeah. I've, uh. Both I've, I've, Both I've had that. I got a note from a girl that I actually ended up dating. Um, <laughs> she left me a note one night after we were at my, my buddy's place. She said, oh, God. She said, Glenn, didn't know where it was about to come out of next. Just threw you in the tub. Well, have you have you ever had that? See, that sounds great. Have you ever had, like, an ugly sweater party where someone told you it was something like that, and you went, and it wasn't? Oh, So you were the oh, one goofball dressed up? A million percent. Yeah. Or, or like them, yeah. or the, it, they didn't even, not even that they were like played a prank on you as much as like it got lost in translation. So yeah. I threw, when I was a manager at Best Buy, when I was like 20 years old or whatever it was, I threw a, what was supposed to be a lingerie Christmas party. But then I was informed by my boss at the Best Buy that, that I couldn't invite people from work to that party because it could be deemed sexual harassment. To be telling, like, you got to be in your underwear or whatever. So I said to everyone, like, it's not, you know, like I did that bit where, like, it's definitely not a lingerie party, right? Like, that's definitely the case. And then, like, a couple of people showed up in their underwear and were like, (laughs) what the hell is going on? Like, what is this? I love that. Yeah, that was was an uncomfortable one. Um, always fun times when uh, weird stuff happens and uh, somebody's, I mean, we've, we've done, we played those jokes all the time on people. I, I was telling the, the story the other day, like I loved, even because I was a pizza delivery guy of pranking the pizza delivery guy and coming to the door in my underwear with a rubber mask on, you know, like, um, and which that always would freak the guy out. Or if it just happened to be a young lady, it was more embarrassing for me. actually. Right. So, yeah, definitely yeah. more embarrassing for you. So I bring this up because obviously everybody's talking about court storming. I, I don't dude. I feel like lukewarm about this where obviously what happened on Saturday can't happen, but like also Filipowski's apparently fine. So like, it's not, it's not that big of a deal. It's not the end of the world. I, I don't know, man. Like I, I, I'm passionate about this and not the way you would think. Okay. Like I hate court storming. Okay. I don't know. And, and, and like, hear me out on this. Uh, I'm not trying to be the, I like to have fun. I like goofy things. If that's going to happen, make sure the players get off the floor and then let them run on and celebrate. Like, that's the only, the only prerequisite I have. We protect athletes, celebrities, and all these people that are putting on a performance for us to come watch. Yep. Whether you want to talk about sports, theater, uh, music, whatever. Why are we throwing bottles at them? Why are we throwing things, you know, on stage outside of bras and panties? Um, you know, why are, we, why are we storming the court running into them or getting in their face? Like, we even saw Kevin Durant run out and somebody called him a bitch and he turned around yeah. and confronted them. They were ready to throw those guys out for just yelling bitch. What if those people were on the floor at the end of the game yelling bitch? You know, like, it's just, there's emotions, they run high, and, and I feel like court storming should not happen, period. 
So, That's just me. So I have no problem with that inherently, right? Like, and I said that when we were talking about it earlier. Like, I, there's no defending court storming. There's no. The only reason it exists is because it exists. We saw somebody else do it when we were younger, so that's just what we think we're supposed to do. There's no actual reason for it to be a thing. If there is a way, I can't believe him. Griffin actually had a good idea where he was like, you put up a 30-second clock. I said it's so surprised. Yeah, well, I'm surprised. Uh, you put up a 30-second clock once the game is over, and you say nobody's allowed to run on the floor until this 30-second clock runs out, and that gives the other team time to get off the floor. Anybody who doesn't want to be a part of it can leave uh, quickly in those 30 seconds, and then you let everybody run out there. And I was like, okay, if you want to do it, that's a reason to do it. I, but if the answer is simply there's no justifying it, it ain't going to break my heart to end court storming because it doesn't need to exist. Like, yeah, it, 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 it's, it's just it's like the, and people don't want to hear this, it's like the national anthem before a sporting event. Like, right. it's paid to be there. Like, you don't have to have it there. Like, I, you know, I, there were people that were upset over. Uh, what was it? Lift every voice being played at the Super Bowl, and it's like the song's not for you. Who gets a rat's ass? Right. The anthem shouldn't even be played. Like you know, it's and and this isn't me trying to be like non patriotic. I'm just saying we get upset over some of the dumbest things, and this is something that's so obvious that it's just a, it's it's an easy thing where they say no, this can't happen. I mean, I remember when um uh what was it? It was uh, Ole Miss. Ole Miss had an upset game, and it's Ole Miss. Like you shouldn't be running on. I don't care if you beat number one Alabama. It's like, it's like they, Boston. They took like down Boston the College. the goalpost and threw oh, it in the river. Right, right, right. <laughs> you know, like like what are we doing? Like we're gonna ruin stuff. I I just never understood that. Like celebrate, have fun. Why do we have to flip a car over? Why do we have to light something on fire? And I, I still think people in West Virginia should be like, able to like couches and mattresses on fire. That's right. part of their heritage. And, and of course, and of course, marry their cousins. Obviously, right? Like it's yes, it's tradition. That should be allowed right, in certain exactly. areas. <laughs> You know, it's yeah, like, you're raised a certain way. You're no, not I, change. You're bringing, I compare a lot of this stuff to the, I don't know, did you ever read the short story, The Lottery, when you were growing up? Was that mandatory yeah. reading? So, like, I compare a lot of yeah. it to The Lottery, which was, like, the point of the, the, the lesson that you're supposed to learn from The Lottery is that, like, just because it's tradition doesn't mean it should exist. It needs to be justifiable in some way. And, like, when we do these things and we say, well, it's tradition, right, but why? <laughs> like, why yeah. is it tradition? What, what? Why does it exist? And if the answer is shrug your shoulders and say, I don't know, then it's okay to question whether or not that tradition should exist. And I'm, uh, I, I'm not like, I'm not hellbent. It's got to go. I would say either it's got to be fixed. You've got to come up with a solution to make it safer or more, or it's got to go. Like you have to figure out how can we do this in a better way or it's got to go and it's fine. It's, it's, everybody's going to be okay if it goes. Yeah. And we, like we were talking about the LeGarrette Blunt incident, even though that was with a player yeah, on another yeah. team that got in his face and it's a little bit different, but are we waiting for something really bad to happen and say, no, we shouldn't be doing this. Cause I think this is the perfect chance with Filipowski's flop. And I mean, look, there were people running at him and he put his forearm up. Yeah. I don't know if he thought the guy was running directly. And then the guy went to run around him and then he hit him and then he fell to the floor. Like he was going to be trampled, um, you know, with everybody trying to get in at the waste management open. So, I, I just don't know if, um, you know, if it's something that we got to have something really bad happen to make it stop. And, and I've, I've been talking about this for years. You're just waiting for a fan to get hurt because somebody hits them, a player to get run into, even if it's a, a minor injury, even if he had to miss a game, that, that shouldn't happen. No doubt. No Sorry. doubt. All right. Uh, are, you a, are you a Shane Gillis guy? Love him. Um, did you watch on Saturday night? I, I've seen most of the skits. I did not watch it Saturday night. Um, if you haven't seen the Limu, Emu, yes, and Doug, I, I, uh, I think it was a deleted one. I, which Fantastic. is insane because it was brilliant. 
And like yeah. some of the stuff that was on the show was not. I I am I'm a I like Shane Gillis. I I it's a weird bit where like I think there are people that worship at Shane Gillis's altar, and it ain't because yeah. he's the best comedian. It's like because they think he represents something. And the truth is, I'm not really sure that he actually represents that. Like I don't think he's actually actively attempting to make some sort of political statement. I just think he's kind of a doofus, which is part of yeah. what I like about him. Um, I I. He he used the R word during his monologue, but and 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 when I because I wasn't watching live, when I went back and watched, I was okay with the context where he wasn't like I, I do have a problem so, with that word, right? Like I do. Yeah. I think we should be capable of saying we don't use that word. But he made it clear that like the person that was using the word was the butt of the joke, and in that way, like I I get it. I would still say it's not necessary, but like I get it. That's okay. Just using it flippantly is the thing that would be a problem. Um, I thought his monologue was like some of it we've already heard, right? Like we had all heard the Down yeah. syndrome bit because if, if you've been a fan of his, you've right, heard some of that, right? Yeah. Some of it we've all already heard. Um, I thought it was nervous, which I kind of like. It was endearing in a way, right? Like I thought he was genuinely well, nervous hosting Saturday Night Live. I was like, that's that's kind of kind of cool. I think, I, I think he kind of got a crowd that's not his crowd. Yeah. You know, and then when they heard some of the things that he was joking about, they were kind of shocked and didn't know. Right. Well, they didn't know if it was okay to laugh. But here, here, here's the dilemma. And, and I love comedy. And I wish comedians were free to kind of speak their minds on stage and tell jokes and make fun of I mean, everything. I Like, I don't think anything is um, out of bounds when you're – because, like, everybody has selective outrage. Like, I, Terry Ford – I shouldn't even – there was somebody I used to work with. Can we go back? <laughs> That, that made a joke to me. Could be anyone. Know, like, I laugh. Yeah. Be, His name be. was Fairy Tord. Right. He worked with him a long time ago. No, but he, Terry just, would make, Wait a second. Like, Did you just call someone a fairy? Way. You're canceled. That's yeah. it. You're out. <laughs> well, well, the same way that I do. Like, I make fun of everything, and I make light of everything, and I think stereotypes are funny. Um, but you just don't know who's going to get offended by certain things. Like, Terry made a joke in front of me about MS. You know, it was a joke. Like, he threw something in. And I started laughing, and he immediately went to, oh, my God, I'm so sorry, because my wife has MS. And right. I'm like, look, dude, I'm not one of those guys that has selective outrage. I'm not going to tell you you can say this, you can make fun of fat people, but you can't make fun of you know, black people, or you can make fun of this person, but can't make fun of that person, or whatever. Like, I, I think everything's fair game if it's done in a comedic atmosphere, and it's right. not just like I'm not up there spitting hate you know, or whatever. The thing I love about Shane Gillis and what a lot of comedians have gone to, if you're disabled, you use that in your bit. If you have something, somebody in your family that has something, you use that in your bit. Well, he, he has a relative that has Down syndrome. So he's kind of used that almost like, yeah, I can talk about it because I've grown up with it. And there's almost like, it almost to me feels like there's this big push of people telling stories and having people in their family. And then they make light of their family and then people kind of accept it. But I have heard, the R word used way, way more than I think I ever have ever heard it before. Um, gay is coming back and people are using, you know, the F word there to, it's just, it's weird to how things get canceled. And I think what's happening with comedians are they're just going, I'm going to do what I do and we'll see who shows up. And people are still showing up in droves. So even though they're canceled by half the country, the other half is supporting them. I, I think what makes someone a talent is I, I I would say that I think there are people that just think that word alone is funny and it's not right like it's not yeah. you have no skill you you offer nothing to society you just think that you're making some sort of statement that you're not making because you're unwilling to consider why we've had a conversation about the word I think when someone's skilled they're able to figure out what the appropriate way is to attach attack these types of things 
And I do think in that way. Like, he's, he's, I like Shane Gillis. I do. I think he's funny. Again, I don't think he's quite as funny as some people think that he is, but I think he's funny and I enjoy him. And I enjoyed him on Saturday Night Live. And, you know, there were moments that were awkward, but, like, that's part of, I just think part of him is he's awkward. Like, that's his. See, but I love that, though. Right. And, and the other thing I'll say is I do think he's one of the best comedians out there. So maybe I'm holding him up to a higher standard. Yeah. I think he's very good on the fly. Um, like, I love watching him like on these podcasts when he's just being interviewed and he's just so naturally funny. He reminds me of, honestly, he reminds me of, and this is going to be it's a total cultural difference, but like he reminds me of JB smooth and just how funny he is in the moment. Hmm. Um, hmm. And that's what I love about him. Like his, his joke on Saturday night live about starting a coffee place run by people with down syndrome and the line being around the corner and everybody going, Oh, and they all start cheering. He goes, well, it's not because we're busy. It's just because we're really slow. Right. And like that's, that's great comedy writing. Maybe it doesn't hit with everyone, but like, you know, I, I get it. And it's kind of weird. Like society has changed and we, we need to be better at treating people the right way. But I also love comedy from being the outlet to just go and just yeah. get everything off your chest and make fun of everything. And I know I'm different in that aspect to a lot of people. And I think that if you, if you can't listen to that and understand that it's different than what someone else might be saying, and if all you're hearing is one word, then you're 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 purposely being obtuse, like you are. Like yeah. that's just the reality of it. Which isn't to say that it justifies everything that everyone says. Because again, a lot of people are saying things just for the sake of saying it, and they offer nothing to society. But I think there was a point that was being made within the realm of comedy that if you're willing to listen, it's a relevant and it's a good point. Um, but some people just want to hear whatever it is that they want to hear on one side or the other, and they're unwilling to do that. So. I, I don't know. I enjoyed it. Again, I thought it was I thought it was mostly good. I mean, the the open which he had nothing to do with stunk was awful. yeah. Was but I was like, I'll, I'll give you a perfect example on that too. Remember when I, I told the story with you guys about? I mean, we joked about it earlier. Like, I got family in West Virginia. Yeah. I have first, yeah. I broke the story on your yeah. show yeah. that my first yeah. cousin got yeah. married. Yeah. And it's almost like, yeah, I can make fun of hillbillies because I am one. Right. <laughs> or I'm, it's almost right. in line these with the same. Are, thing, these are my people. That's not, yeah, that's not deemed. Um, bad to make fun of because they're easy to make fun of, which I guess you could say about a lot of things. Though. So um, I guess that I hope it makes sense where I stand on this because I love comedy and I want guys to be free to write what they want. Like yeah. Jeslin, it tells the worst joke I've ever heard. And I'm not going to repeat it on here. I'll text it to you if you want. Okay. But I could, I could not say that to another person because it's so dark. It's so awful. But when you think about the punchline on it, it's, it's a big shock jock moment where you're like, Oh my God! I can't believe he just said that. But wow. Jesus, what a! I don't know that yeah. I know it. I don't know that I know it. All right, yeah, send it to me. It's an Eric Clapton me. joke. You can look it up if you want. Okay, I will. I will do that. I will. I will take a look. All right, what's coming yep. up uh, for you this week? Um, so yeah, it's going to be an interesting week. Uh, like I'd rather promote this. I'm doing the Mix 106.5 Radio Thon on oh, Thursday. Oh yeah, so. that's important. Oh no doubt. So I'm yeah, I'm going down right after I do the radio show on Thursday and Friday. I head down to Johns Hopkins Children's Center. So I'm doing like. It's either nine or ten hours of radio on Thursday and Friday. It means a lot to me. And if people want to donate, like, we, we love seeing the numbers go up, and it obviously means something great. And I just think this is one of the coolest things for our city. And, like, with my relationship with Mo and everything else, it means a lot to me to be a part of this. So I'm looking forward to it. I'm really glad you brought that up because I think it's important to understand that, like, from when Mo passed, I, one of the things that Sanzi would talk about all the time is how, how much they helped, how much yeah. the Children's Center helped. Um, and how important it is to our community. So I'm, I'm really glad you brought that up. Um, that's coming. Up. I didn't realize it was this week. Now I feel bad. 
Um, but yeah, Radiothon—that's an awesome, awesome thing. By the way, I didn't realize it was this week until they told me this morning. So um, yeah, but you know, like that's—that's <laughs> that's how some of the, they told me a long time ago. I just didn't write it down. Um, but yeah, this—I I don't think people really realize like all the different things that the Johns Hopkins Children's Center does, and it's based off of the dollars that we donate, um, really to make you know people's lives that may not be as long as we'd like just a little bit better and try to help the people around them. And then every once in a while, I don't want to say every once in a while, a lot of times we get great stories and yep. success stories. Um, and those are great, but we also have the really sad ones that, you know, we need to bring up because these things happen. No doubt. That's uh, good on you. Good on everybody over at Odyssey. It's, it's how many years has this been with the uh, radiothon now? It feels like 30 some, right? It's incredible. I mean, I'm probably wrong. I'm probably shortchanging it. This is my fourth year with them. So uh, great stuff, buddy. Appreciate that. At Jcon Sports, ConcreteLocks.com, Green Turtle, Big Bad Morning Show, and Radiothon this week. Support the Johns Hopkins Children's Center. Appreciate you, bud. We'll talk again next Monday. All right, guys. Thanks. Jeremy Kahn with us here on GCR. Oh man. Um it's a it's difficult listen, by the way, because you are gonna cry during Radiothon. You're gonna cry. Just the way it's gonna go. All right, uh, winding down for a Monday edition of the program. Today's show has been brought to you by Superbook. Do we have uh, numbers yet for uh, the Orioles today? Oh, that's an excellent mm. question. Mm. Let's see. Both Let's games. See. What, I wonder if that would be a fun parlay. Just For some reason, we can't bet the Orioles today. I don't know what that's all about. Is it because of the fact that they have two games, maybe? My, maybe, like, but, like, I mean, you say we have lineups. Do we? It, part of it might be we don't know which, like, beyond the lineups. Do we know yeah. who's available? Like who's pitching. Uh, right. I mean, Chase McDermott is starting one of them. Seth Johnson starting the other. Right, but do we know, like, did they announce um, who's gone? Sometimes they'll announce no. ahead of time. I don't know. I don't know. No. They, I, the the I New Orioles announced their starters for the rest of the week, though. I know Grayson's pitching tomorrow. Grayson's pitching tomorrow. But none tomorrow. of these games are on Kramer TV. Kramer on Wednesday. So, yeah, Tyler Wells Thursday. I don't think they're on TV again until Sunday. Or when is the Yankees game? That's this weekend. Whatever the whenever the Yankees game is, is the, I think it maybe. I wish I knew. It might be Saturday again. I it think. might be another Saturday to Saturday situation for the uh, the Orioles and TV. So that's when I want to know who's pitching again because it's the next time somebody can watch it. Mm. Um, in the meantime, you can bet everything else. Oh, Drew Rom got a win yesterday for the Cardinals. Oh, it's over. We lost. We lost. That trade, yeah. Yeah, it's over. That trade, we got destroyed. We kind of got our asses handed to us on the Flaherty deal. Uh, it's what it is. Hopefully you, you win some other ones. <laughs> Hopefully that's the case. Uh, but as I mentioned, you can bet Morgan. You can bet Coppin tonight. Um, starting to think about maybe big events on the horizon. Like maybe you're starting to think about futures for golf. Right now, you can get some Masters Futures bets in. Scotty Scheffler is the favorite to win the Masters. Behind him, John Rahm, Rory McIlroy. You want to get in on a little bit of that action? You can start doing that now over at Superbook. Use the code GlennClark23 when you sign up. You'll receive up to $250 in a same-day first bet match, win or lose, from Superbook. I was trying to see if there were any uh, draft futures that were up. Just yet. And I am, hang on a second, NFL. Uh, no, no draft futures up yet. yet. Do have a lot of futures for next year available, but not anything for the draft just yet. We still got a lot of time, free agency. You got to figure out, like, what team, what positions certain teams are going to address. I would say, actually, it might be tough to do draft futures this year just because there's such uncertainty about number one. Like, normally we don't have this much uncertainty about it, but... Like, as much as people believe the Ra the Bears are just going to trade Justin Fields and 
draft Caleb Williams. We don't have confirmation about that just yet. So we'll see how it plays out. Is there anything? Oh, Peter King announced his retirement. Oh, um, okay. Which would be like kind of weird for me, like from the bulk of my life, I've been, I would, it's, I don't want to lie, I don't want to be a poser here. I like Peter King, mostly. Sometimes I thought Peter King was a little bit, it went a little too far in defending the NFL in certain situations and protecting his access. And I get it; it's a very difficult line for a reporter, and certainly a reporter of Peter King's stature where like he always had access to everyone so in a way i can understand his need to protect his access at times but there were times that it kind of rubbed me the wrong way like i don't i think that you should be more aggressive in given your stature but he didn't want to do that i thought more often than not his Monday columns were were a very good read i think sometimes frankly there was just too much in there for me like truly too much and it would have been better served being broken up into like one a day during the course of a week but more often than not i found my like i remember when he was embedded with the ravens draft room i thought that was a fascinating read um his monday column after that draft i don't remember that was a couple years ago i don't remember which year it was um it's weird because i would say am i going to miss peter king well there's going to be a lot of other people reporting on the nfl it's not like there's going to be any shortage of other places to turn for NFL information. I read what he wrote last night in his final sort of sign-off. I thought one of the things that was interesting was him bringing up the fact that like the NFL itself is monopolizing more and more coverage. And if that's one thing that's disappointing, it's like losing that Peter King, while maybe he was protecting his um, access at times, he also was at least there was the veil of independence about what he was doing, that it wasn't as sanitized. And so if in the NFL's mind Peter King's gone, well, that means we could give more access to Ian Rappaport. That's a net loss. Because while I don't disrespect Ian Rappaport anyway, he's employed by the NFL. So I hope they continue to value reporting from places like The Athletic, Whatever SI ends up being, God knows. I mean, if SI is even going to exist. The, the, what we're talking about, Shane Gillis, the Sports Illustrated like jacket he was wearing. Yeah, it was fun. That was, it was fun. I like that jacket. It was, a, like <laughs> I, again, for a certain group of people, like Shane Gillis could have farted for an hour and a half and it would have been the greatest show they'd ever seen. So you, you kind of have to dismiss them. As an independent, like I have no strong emotions towards anybody involved, it was a good show. It was just another episode of It was largely just SNL. another episode on SNL. Yeah. There were a lot of misses, there were some hits. I have to, I'll have to watch the Lee Mu one cuz I didn't That one was it was it wasn't later. on the show. Yeah, I didn't know it was see just that later, on so it was oh to... that was the best thing they did all night and that's the difficult like I, nobody wants to say this but like it wasn't just that the writing was Shane Gillis isn't necessarily like an actor and in some moments he came off a little stone like because it's just not he's not used to doing this. So it it was it was a fine show. It was a fine show. It was fine. Tidbit brought to you today by Goose Flights. We love Goose Flights. Go get it all over town. Cans at your neighborhood Glory Days Grill as well as at 
the Green Turtle Bet Park Sportsbook in Canton. Also at Alonzo's on Cold, on Cold Spring Lane. Cans and Sixes at Guilford Hall Brewery and at the Costas Inn. Sixers and Cases at the Wine Source in Hamden. One ninety-eight from every can sold goes to benefit the Goose Flights Foundation. And you only have a couple days left to get in on this giveaway that we've been doing. In partnership with the launch of Goose Flights, we're giving away $1,000 in Baltimore sports ticket credit. Go sign up right now. Pressboxonline.com slash Goose Flights. Uh, Jokic uh, became the second player in NBA history to have 80 points. Dap up Pat Spencer? Oh, yeah. Was, would he be the second ever? I don't know. I don't he might have been. I assume some of been his the teammates first have done it over the, the years. Ever yeah. um, 80 points, 50 rebounds, and 45 assists in a three-game span. He is the second player to ever accomplish this in a three-game span. Any ideas who the, who the only other? It's 80 points, 50 rebounds, 45 assists. I mean, the one guy that probably could have done it in one game. Oscar Robertson? No, not Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Uh, 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 80 points. Yeah, 80 points. Like, who scored? Yeah. LeBron? No, not LeBron. Michael Jordan? Not Michael Jordan. Oh, man. This is why, I thought, like, I, I don't think that that helped me, what you just okay, said sorry. there. Then, then. Try, I was just trying to, to think of it. I was trying to think of triple double guys like the list that we were doing last week. Right was a list right, that I was trying right. to come up with, and that's why I'm uh, G- Russell Westbrook, James Harden, Kevin Durant. No. Okay, w- this is not going well. He scored 100 points in a game oh, once. Okay, got it. Wilt Chamberlain. <laughs> Fine. Keep going. Uh, so yeah, sure. we, we got to fix something in the studio, and John Colson's doing the bit where he's like staring, like what? what you know, I'm waiting for him to look at his watch that he's not wearing. Uh, so an AP top ten team, um, number AP number one team losing by fifteen points and then losing to or sorry sorry I I ra- ra- got phrased this? that wrong. Two D one teams did this over the weekend, okay. and it was the only time uh, that this has happened this century that a team defeated an AP number one and uh, by fifteen points and then lost to an unranked team. Or sorry, it happened twice this year. Gosh, I'm are you okay? Place. I'm trying to read my tidbit here. <laughs> And then lose to I, an unranked team by 10 points and do that in back-to-back you're games. You're saying because of Creighton. Yes. Thank you. Creighton beat UConn the other right. night, uh, and then came back and lost to St. John's uh, by double digits yesterday. Go figure. <laughs> earlier th- earlier this uh, th- this year, uh, Nebraska did just that against Purdue, knocking off Purdue, and then coming back over the weekend and losing to Iowa by double digits. So uh, it's only happened twice this century, and it happened both both times. How both about have happened that? this season? It's probably a reason why it was always silly this year to do a blank versus the field. Con- I'll never get over that. They really did blank versus the, the UConn versus the field. Like, well, the, dude, have you been watching college? Why, why are you getting mad at them offering a, 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 yeah. a winning bet? Well, it was no, it wasn't a bet. It was some dumb thing ESPN was, like a, was oh, talking it was like about. A, it's like a topic. Yeah, I love that. <laughs> My buddy Aaron Oster was trying to get me hot and bothered about a couple of prop bets that they're offering in Vegas. He was like, uh, "Hang on." Hang on a second. Can we read my next tidbit as you go through? Or uh, Cody Bellinger signed. Yeah, go ahead. All right, he's back with the Cubs. The Chicago Cubs. He so was, you can get, I don't know who it's from, Adley Rutschman or Gunnar Henderson to win MVP and Jackson Holiday wins Rookie of the Year. If uh, all of that, you so, get it. So at, you need one of them to win MVP and then Holiday wins Rookie you, of the Year. Yeah, you can get it 35 to 1. Either Rutschman or Henderson wins MVP and Holiday wins Rookie of the Year. The other one you can get is. Can you get an either. What? Either an MVP or Holiday wins. Like you just want, you need one of them to happen. Well, you can just bet those individually. Yeah, but I want better. Yeah, I guess it would. I mean, this is a little bit. But what are you? What? 
Do you have odds for it? I don't understand why, why you got a problem with I, that. My, my God. You can just go to Superbook and find out what the odds are. So what are you trying to get? I want either, like, just, I need one of them to happen. Somebody wins MVP or oh, Holiday you, wins oh, Rookie well, of the you, Year. You, you, your odds would not make it worth it. It would not. Be I, a, mean, I mean, it would not be a plus bit. odds there. Maybe, maybe you're given a lot of things that could occur. Uh, you can also get at plus uh, 2,800 Corbin Burns or Grayson Rodriguez to win Cy Young and Holiday wins Rookie of the Year. Those are uh, two bets that are available right now. Go ahead. Cody Bellinger was one of eight players last year to have 20 home runs, 20 stolen bases, and 90 RBIs. Obviously, just uh, finally re-signed with the Cubs, um, and it made me, uh, you know, question who has had the most seasons of 20 home runs, 20 stolen bases, and 90 RBIs. There have been seven guys that did that five times. Okay. Um... Seven guys with 20 homers, 20 steals, 90 RBI. Uh... I'll say Barry Bonds. Barry Bonds would be number one. Eight seasons of 2020 and 90. How about uh, Hank Aaron? Hank Aaron only did it four times. What a bum. And how many what's the cutoff? Five. Five? Yeah. Uh, Back to our Hall of Fame discussion. Like, who let that guy in? Right. (laughs) How about Willie Mays? Willie Mays did it five times. Um, a real Hall of Famer. Yeah, right? <laughs> when, when the Hall of Fame meant something. <laughs> Barry Bonds, of course, not in the Hall of Fame. That's true. That's a good point. <laughs> now it gets tricky, right? Like It does. There aren't... Like, Ricky Henderson hit home runs, but I don't think enough to be on this list. He did not, make, uh, did not do it enough to make this list. Man. And I got to name how many more? Uh, you would. I would like I got, to name I got five two. more. Yeah, I would so. like to name five more. Yeesh. Uh, two guys. Uh, two guys currently are on the Hall of Fame ballot. They're not in yet. They're two guys on this. Oh, list. Beltran. Yes, Carlos Beltran. Seven times, second most ever. Wow, I, I did not know that. Um, this is currently on the Hall. Did not get in. Yeah, he and he's a lot lower, like on the percentage. Than, than Beltran. Oh, well, I don't know that I'm going to come up with that. Uh, uh, Stan wants him in. I don't know if that. Oh, Bobby Abreu. Bobby Abreu. Yeah, Bobby Abreu did Abreu. this six times. I can't believe Bobby most. Abreu did that. That's that's nuts. Three All more. All right. Make it progress. Three more. Two that if I give you a hint, it would probably give it away. So I'll hold off. <laughs> I might have to get there. Tory Hunter. No, not Tory Hunter. Jimmy Rollins. Not Jimmy Rollins. Chase Utley, not Chase Utley. Uh, they they're all well. Yeah, they've Alfonso Soriano. Alfonso Soriano is an excellent guest, but he only did it four times. Thank God. Yeah. Damn it. That is a good guess, though. Damn it. Uh, the one that's not as obvious. He played for the Blue Jays, um, but I think he did most of this with. He was with Cleveland. He also spent uh, half a season with the Orioles. Half a season with the Orioles. Cleveland Blue Jays, and a half a season with the Orioles amongst. Short stints elsewhere. Cleveland Blue Jays. Half a season with the Orioles. Well, I'll be honest with you. I don't... I don't know at all. Cleveland Blue Jays. Half a season with the Orioles. So, like, I know Roberto Alomar played for the Blue Jays and the Indians. He hit uh, hit a big home run in the 1993 World Series. 
Oh, Joe Carter. Joe, Joe Carter. Carter. Wow. Joe Carter is on this I list. Did it five times. Carter. Okay. All right. That's a good one. Then uh, the two others. Uh, one. I of don't them, really remember him doing much in Cleveland though. Like he was primarily. It looked well. He, he stole the most base. He stole most of the bases. Really? Uh, I guess early. All right. Fair enough. With fair enough. All right. Um. Uh, the one of the one of the other guys that you're missing is related to a guy on this list that you already named. Oh, Bobby Bonds. Bobby yeah. Bonds did it five times. Uh, another guy, uh, not in the Hall of Fame, but like was on the ballot recently, and he is not in. He's on the ballot. Sammy Sosa. Is he currently in? I think he's still actually. He's still currently on the ballot. A Rod, A Rod, yes. Okay, Alex Rodriguez. Is that the list? That is the list. Yeah, that was painful. The, that bo- was, the Bonzes, Beltran, Abreu. Rough. I got two legitimately. <laughs> two. Well, that was rough. Rough. Very specific. You, you haven't been. Uh, I'm trying to. I got to start warming up your baseball juices. Uh, yeah, that's, that's so. got to be what it is. I'm really. It personally bothers me that Alfonso Soriano is not on the list because that is the like he's. All right, never mind. Daryl Strawberry also did it four times. He was in Maryland this weekend. Oh, he was. He was uh, did an appearance somewhere. Oh. I I saw him all over my timeline, like people going to meet Daryl Strawberry somewhere, celebrating his twenty twenty and ninety uh, seasons. Uh, I don't think that's what he was doing. I don't know. Wh- I I don't know what he was doing though. I I saw that he spoke at like a jail somewhere. It's nice of him. Um, and apparently he's already back in Florida. Um, yeah, he spoke to Maryland inmates and then he did a, like a signing somewhere in town. Huh. He's I I don't know why like he's been. To, like, I remember him coming to games, obviously, when DJ was playing at Maryland. But, like, I think he's been back. I want to say he spoke at, like, a church recently. I don't know if he's got a connection in this area of some sort, but I feel like he shows up here m- more frequently than you would think Daryl Strawberry would have a reason to be in the Baltimore area. <laughs> like, it's weird. Don't question it. I, don't, I mean, it's it's cool. I, and I got, like, we we had him on a few times when DJ was playing at Maryland, and I like, had some nice conversations with him. Thoughtful guy. Obviously... Quite the life that Daryl Strawberry lived. All right, Tubular is brought to you by uh, Toyota. Don't forget, we're getting into the uh, playoffs, obviously, in high school basketball, and you can still play Pick'em over at County Sports Zone. It's brought to you by Toyota. If you think you know high school hoops, go to CountySportsZone.com where you can pick the winners, earn points, see where you stand on the leaderboard, only at CountySportsZone.com, presented by your local Toyota dealers. Here's what's coming up, and a lot because the CIAA tournament gets underway tonight at CFG Bank Arena. Uh, you can watch all of the games during the tournament via ESPN Plus. Tonight, um, Winston-Salem State and Bowie State women at 7, and the St. Augustines and Bluefield State men at 9. I would love to play a game where you try to guess what the uh, nicknames are of the CIAA tournament, the CIAA schools. Ooh, let's do that. Bowie is the Bulldogs, right? They are. Bowie State is the Bulldogs. I'll take that one and uh. No, 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 no. I just want you to guess. We're gonna have fun with this. Um, For example, Lincoln, Pennsylvania is. Uh, well, I'm just gonna keep guessing one because I feel like it has Cavaliers. I don't believe any of them are the Cavaliers. Not really. I don't believe so. No, no, you have to guess by school. Lincoln. Yeah, Lincoln. The uh, the lumberjacks. You get it wrong three times. I'll I'll give you the answer. Not the lumberjacks. Yeah. Three. Not the Lincoln lumberjacks. Not the Lincoln lumberjacks. <laughs> That'd be great if they. Go were. ahead. Keep going. The 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 Lincoln Pennsylvania. I don't know. The River Dogs. You were right to think alliteration. Okay. 
Lincoln Lancers. No, Lincoln <sighs> Lions. Oh, the Lincoln, Lincoln Lions is the team that I was looking for. What about Virginia Union? What would be Virginia Union? Darn, I feel like I should know. Cavaliers. We'll go again. No, that would be odd if they were the, the Cavaliers. The Virginia Cavaliers? That would make no sense for them to be the Cavaliers. The Virginia Union Cavaliers are the... I See, I'm thinking... Come on, you got to like guess three times. Hampton. Let's go. So I don't want to say Pirates because right? it's not going to be the Pirates. Yeah. The... Uh, uh, the they're not the Lions either because they're the Bobcats. They're no, but you're getting close. I am okay. Yeah. The, the Cougars, the Panthers. Oh, unfortunately, darts. I thought you might get one. Uh, Virginia State is next on the list. Virginia oh, State. Virginia State. Yeah. Are they the Mountaineers? They're not the Mountaineers. No. <laughs> Keep going. The Virginia State. Uh, this is a fun game for me. Yeah. Because they're not the Marlins, because that's Virginia Wesleyan. I did not know that. <laughs> Virginia State would be the uh, what is what, what, what do I? Uh, I got I got I got nothing. They're not the Lumberjacks. Come are on, they? just guess anything. They're not the Lumberjacks. They're not the they? Lumberjacks. No. Um, the, the Last maybe, one. maybe they're the Bulldogs. They are not the Bulldogs. They are the Trojans. Trojans. The Virginia State Trojan men. Like. Elizabeth City State next on the list. What is the mascot for Elizabeth City State? Are they the Peacocks? They are not the Peacocks. I do like that, though. They're not. <laughs> are they the Elizabeth City State? On the thir- after the second one, I'll, I'll give you some sort of hint. Okay. Yeah. Are they the, let's see, the Knights? They're not the Knights. They share a nickname with an NFL team we've kind of discussed this morning. Kind of discussed. Kind of. The Bears. Way. Not the Bears, Darn. no. We were talking about Kirk Cousins, oh, the Vikings. The Vikings. The, the Vikings. Elizabeth City State Vikings. Vikings. Uh, you got Bowie State. So next up, Bluefield State. Not Blue Mountain State. That's a different place. Did I see that uh, there's some rumors about them doing Really? They're going to do that again? A reboot How of they, some sort? What, yeah. I guess would be all new characters. I guess. I don't know. They just do I don't know what they're doing. They're all like 20 or 10 know. years older. Bluefield State. The Broncos. Not the Broncos. There is alliteration, however. Bluefield uh, Barnstormer. <laughs> Not the Bluefield State Barnstormers. What if I told you that um, there's also some repetitiveness in their name? The Bluefield Blue Bulls. <laughs> Bluefield State Big Blue. Oh, the Big, Big Blue. Blue is where we're going. We're moving right along to Claflin. Claflin. Where's Claflin? I actually have no idea where oh, Claflin is. That, well, I need that. I need that to know. Oh, that's yeah, important. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That'll, that'll help me. The uh, the, the Claflin is always Claflin. Oh, Claflin. Claflin is that in Ohio? Claflin is in Orangeburg, South Carolina. So that would make them yes. the yes. Mm, not those. They would be the yeah the the the, the blue heron. Not the blue heron. <laughs> How about the? It's Claflin. Yeah, Claflin. C L A F L I N. Claflin. Claflin. Okay. Yeah. That makes it does make a big yeah, difference, yeah. obviously. Because they're probably like the, you know, the, I don't know. Come on, anything. The Gravediggers. The Gravediggers. I actually would really love that. God, that would be wonderful. Not the case. Uh, they share the name a name with one of the teams we've already named. Oh, really? Yeah. Bulldogs. Oh, you had such a great chance here. It was the I Panthers. I was really oh, rooting man, for you to get one right. Panthers? Multiple Panthers. Next up, Fayetteville State. Fayetteville State. Fayetteville State. Um, Next up on the list. The Colonials. Not the Colonials. Seems like that would be a bad choice. Go ahead. Uh, Why? Just keep going. It's Virginia. Keep going. 
I don't. Is Fayetteville State in Virginia? I thought it was in North Carolina. Oh, is, oh yeah, you're. I guess you're right. Uh, yeah, one. yeah, yeah. I wasted wasted one. The Beavers. Uh, not the Beavers. Fayetteville Beavs. The Fayetteville. Um, it does start with a B, though. I'll oh, give it does? you that. All yeah. right, Fayetteville. Mm, boxers. No, it's the Broncos. Oh, they're the Broncos. The Broncos. Got them confused. If there was one you had a shot to get right, I feel like this one would be on the list because they're a former D1 program. Winston-Salem State. Darn. I don't. I don't Winston-Salem State, formerly of the MEAC. They're not the Demon Deacons. They're not. They're not. That's the other school in Winston-Salem, yes. Winston-Salem Devils. No, not the Devils. Uh, am I counting that? Uh, they also Winston. share a name with an NFL team. Okay. So they're the Winston-Salem. Um, Let's go with the Winston-Salem... Um, what NFL team would would they sh- would they share the Raiders? Not the Raiders, Darn. but kind of the close to the Winston Salem State Rams. Buccaneers, oh, okay. Rams. Rams. Yeah. Winston All right. Salem Rams. Johnson C. Smith. Oh, there's more. Johnson C. Smith. I actually don't know where Johnson C. Smith is either. I'll tell you in one second. Johnson C. Smith is in Charlotte. Johnson C. Smith, uh, they would be, are they the Buccaneers? Not the Buccaneers, uh, no. Are they an NFL team name? <laughs> I don't give you a hint until that's no, the second until, okay. so you got to get two guesses, then you get a hint. <laughs> Johnson C. Uh, Jackals. That's not the Jackal. Jackal? It's a Jackal. A Jackal? It's a Jackal. Uh, Johnson C. Smith does not share their name with an NFL team. It is a two-word nickname. There is an adjective. And a noun. Like the Raging, yeah. Because they're the Raging uh, Carolinans. The Raging Carolinans. No, close. They're the Golden Bulls. The Golden Bulls. The Golden Bulls. Darn. We got three left. Confuse them with the Bulls. Get one right. Just looking for one. I got Bowie State. What do we. That one didn't count. Shaw University. How did that not count? Yeah, because I didn't give it to you. Shaw Unit. You just just said you knew it. (laughs) So it didn't count. So it doesn't count. I got. Yeah. I, I, I avoided myself. Screwed yourself in that one. That's on you. Shaw State. Shaw University. Shaw University. Shaw University, which is located in Raleigh, North Carolina. A lot of Carolina teams. So it's Shaw would be the uh, the Stingrays. Not the Stingrays. Shaw Stingers. Yeah. Um, is that your second guess, no, no, Stingers? No. Shaw Hornets. Nope, not the Hornets. Uh, they also share a name with an NFL team that we discussed this morning. They're not the Ravens. Um, are they? The Shaw Ravens. You guessed it the last time. The Shaw Bears. You Darn had it. it right there in front of you. God, you I had kept, golden I, opportunity. I just to kept get guessing it. the the common names right. every time. Livingstone is oh, next man. on the list. Livingstone. <laughs> Livingstone. Livingstone is in Islanders. Salisbury, North Carolina. They okay. are not the Islanders. That would be weird. I don't, well, I guess there yeah, are some islands off yeah. the coast of Carolina. Never mind. You're right. They're the um, Salisbury, Livingstone Gamecocks. They're not the Gamecocks. Um, a variation of a nickname that's already been used. Mm. Mm. The a variation. Of, Arguably so. a, a variation of two different nicknames that we've oh, already really? come across. Darn. Yeah. I was thinking like a dog, but then. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So you're saying like big cat kind of? 
Are they the big cats? Mm. I would say Livingstone. maybe not variation. Combination. Combination. Mm-hmm. Now I got to remember what the other. Yeah, you can probably like, go through this list that's again. The, that's <laughs> the tough part. Requires you to have paid attention. Should have been writing them down. This ended up being a 30-minute bit. I don't uh, care. I'm enjoying it. This one's fun. We're going to post this one. <laughs> Ken Griffin the named living, the CIAA school. Living Stone. Um, are they the... Mm, the bucking uh let's go Mavericks. Not the Mavericks. Darn. Keep going. Oh, I got Bucking Broncos. They're, they're not Broncos. The bron- bucking Broncos. They're, I already gave you your hint. They're the, so they're, they're, the bu- they're the bully Broncos. You were the blue bears. The blue bears. The blue bears. We had the big blue and the bears. You just had to combine two of them and come up with the blue bears. And finally, St. Augustine's. Your last chance to get one right. I had Bowie State. Yeah, no, that didn't count. <laughs> Saint Augustine. Where is where Saint, Saint Augustine? Augustine? That's a good question. Where is, is Saint Augustine? That's Georgia. That's not Georgia, is it? I, I could. It's where Augusta is. is yeah, that the reason yeah. why you think that? Saint Augustine's is. Um, hang on. Sorry. Uh, also in Raleigh. The Saint Augustine. Saint Augustine. Saint Augustine's. S T I N E S. They would Saint be Aug- apostrophe yes. the Brewers. They're not the Brewers. <laughs> I guess that wouldn't be a college. Is that Augustus Augustus Bush? Is that a, is that a thing there? I don't know. No, I'm just trying to think of names. Okay, uh, keep going. The are they the the uh, the, the goose? They're the, not, geese, the, the geese. The geese. <laughs> They're not the geese. No. <laughs> uh, also share a name with an NFL team. I do not believe that we discussed them. Okay. At any so point. that means that it's I sure probably... as hell don't know why we would have discussed them at any point. Mm. That would make that them the Eagles. Oh. Gosh, wait, wait, wait. It's not the Eagles. I'll give you it's another bird. Oh, it is a bird? Then that makes them the Falcons. Hey, but it doesn't count because it yes, was on your does. fourth guess. Sorry. Well, the geese wasn't. <laughs> was th- that was a joke anyway. Guess. We knew that wasn't for real. <laughs> there you go. Griffin cannot name the seed. I got Bowie State. Teams. No, he didn't. You uh you didn't wait to play Bowie the, State by heart. Game. Yeah, right. Everybody knows you are big Bowie State guy. Exactly. Um, all week this week at uh, CFG Bank Arena for the CIAA tournament. Also tonight, college hoops wise, uh, Morgan and Coppin both in action as we are winding down in the regular season. Uh, Morgan is at home hosting Norfolk State at seven thirty. And Coppins at Howard at 7.30. Coppin game on ESPN Plus. Morgan game, morganstatebears.com. As uh, Griffin mentioned, the Orioles have two games today. Uh, there's audio of the one that's at the Braves on MLB TV. If you're a subscriber, Seth Johnson, Max Freed, the pitching matchup there. No broadcast whatsoever for the one in Sarasota against the Rays. Trevor Martin, Cade Povich, the picking, pitching matchup there. Uh, Women's Gold Club continues tonight. Paramount Plus, Mexico, and Team USA at 10.15. Monumental for Senators Capitals at 7. Other college hoops tonight. Uh, ESPN's got Miami, North Carolina at 7. Baylor, TCU at 9. Everything else, glennclarkradio.com for hoops. NHL Network, Islander Stars at 8. NBA TV, Raptors Pacers at 7. Heat Kings at 10. USA Network for West Ham United and Brentford at 3. WWE Raw tonight at 8. And MLB Network for Twins Yankees at 1. Some non-sports highlights, if Um, there are Not a whole lot. The Bachelor, of course, on ABC. But NBC is the place to be tonight because it is season uh, 47 of The Voice. Really? Yes. We've done this forty-seven times. No, no, they, not quite forty-seven. And they still—I I thought—I I thought you might. Be they still haven't found the it's voice. Tw- they're on season twenty-five. Still, 
I, you would uh, think they would have found it by now. But even bigger news if after it's the voice. <laughs> after the voice. I'm starting to think there isn't one voice. I'm starting to think it might be the voices. Dealer No Deal Island. Yeah, I at 9:30 tonight on NBC. The only reason the idea on Odeo worked is because it was simplistic. Adding any elements to it at all is a really dumb, dumb idea. Uh, Fallon's going to have Except, Zendaya. Except uh, Joe Manganiello is hosting, right? Um, is that, oh, is that I is believe, it? Yeah, I I believe so. he's the new yes. host. It's not Howie Mandel. I believe, I believe right. it is Joe Manganiello, and why he would wear a shirt would be beyond me. I mean, ever. He might be 60, by the way, at this point. Why well, that'll be the bit. You know, he's yeah, going right. to be like, no deal, and he's be like, let's go. Yeah, I'm, I'm all in on that. That's the case. Uh, Zendaya, Austin Butler, because Dune 2 is coming out this week on Fallon. Kings of Leon and Chance the Rapper also on Fallon. It is the apparently the 10-year ten, ten anniversary of Late Night with Seth Meyers, so Amy Poehler is going to be on tonight. Oh, I do like Amy Poehler. Uh, Fred Armisen in all week as well. Okay. Hanging out with Seth Meyers. That's the that's sure. highlights. Okay, very good. Thanks today to Cade, uh, I said Cade Povich. Cole Irvin, of course, is who joined us. Also, thanks today to uh, Ray Glass from Towson and Jeremy Kahn. We'll get all that up in the greatest hits section of the... Oh, my God. It's so good. Tab at GlennClarkRadio.com. Tomorrow, uh, Patrick Stevens, of course, joins us. We'll talk, uh, I guess, some Terps. I don't know why we would, but we will. Uh, lacrosse, uh, of course. Uh, we'll do county sports on radio. Yes. Go over a big weekend in high school hoops. And, uh, Scotty McGregor. Oh, Scotty us. McGregor will join us. He, of course, was working as a guest instructor for the Orioles. So we'll get uh, some thoughts on what he saw from his time down in Sarasota with the birds. All right. Thanks to everybody at Pressbox, all of our great sponsors and partners, including Live Casino and Hotel, Mother's North Grill, A.J. Michaels, Guilford All Brewery, Royal Farms, Costa Sin, Superbook Sports, Glory Days Grill, your local Toyota dealer, buyatoyota.com. Thanks to Griffin at Griffin underscore Bass. Follow us, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok at Glenn Clark Radio. Have a great Monday evening. Go Morgan. Go Coppin. Duke sucks.